Hello, hello. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. I'm LaTara. And I'm Laura. And this is Passions Passions Podcast. Podcast. See, I figured it out. If you start it, it'll sync up well. Like, so I have to wait for you to say it and then I'll say it. Okay, gotcha. So I think it synced beautifully that time. I think it happens either way in the reverse. So if if you start and I follow, or if I start and you follow. Okay, let's see. Passions Passions Podcast. Podcast. No. No? No. Oh, that's so interesting. Because when when we do it that way, like... our mouths are moving like on my my on my end it looks like we line up yeah I, it, but i can't hear the audio like you yeah. so today <laughs> on passions podcast what are we talking about we're talking about episodes 136 through 140 yes and these were some good episodes i literally got chills in some places chills i i enjoyed it i feel like the first three episodes were fire like they were really good i was getting getting information like i was enjoying the acting i was enjoying the storyline and those last two of this set i i did have a couple like oh moments just like like gasp out loud moments but for the most part i was like they're just reminding us of of things that that they told us a hundred episodes ago and making sure that we're catching up like i kind of felt like the last two were fine but it was a little bit of a letdown because we already kind of knew what was going to happen. We yeah. had surmised the truth. Yeah. one I 100% agree with those last two episodes were a little bit slow, but um, there were some things that happened in them that I just loved. Mm. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll get to it. There's some things that happened in those last two episodes that I just are setting us up for the next like major revelation. Right, right. And these are the ones where I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen yet. Like, I think they they showed their hand a little bit too much with the Martin stuff. So it wasn't like a big, as big a reveal as I wanted it to be. Like, I Mm -hmm. wanted to be a little surprised, you know? Yeah, I I don't know. I think so much of soap operas is us knowing the truth and nobody, and the people in the show not knowing. I think so much of watching it is that, because I feel like, most of the time it's all very obvious yeah like so much it is so so much of it is so obvious the thing is you the like obviously that wasn't martin because he came back way too soon however what is the real story with martin right like that's the that's the part that's going to be more twisty right Mm. like obviously that's not really martin but Mm -hmm. let's get into this okay okay let's do it you want to start with chad and the russell's I think we have to because we got some, we really got into it finally. Yeah, yeah, we really, oh, Chad had a great, oh, Chad had a really great moment this week. Yeah, I can't, oh, yes, yes, when he, with Eve? Yes. Yeah, I love it. Okay, let's talk about it. So Chad, we st- we see Chad, he's working at the book cafe and Whitney comes in and she comes in right as he's like hits play on a song and thinks that he's trying to comment on her through the lyrics of the song or is like making fun of her in some way. So she walks straight up to the counter to confront him. You're she goes, she's like, I'm so going to tell you vain. off. <laughs> You're so vain. I bet you think this song is about you. You're, You're so, so vain. vain. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you think this song is about, about you. you. Don't you? Yeah, I keep forgetting it's not going to sync up. So when we sing, it's going to be pure chaos. If you, if you sing out and you feel like I'm off, I'm behind you. Don't worry. I am with you. 
No, the problem is that I felt like we were together, so I know we weren't. Oh, yeah. At one point, we weren't. But at one point, we were. Beautiful. Anyway, Chad, Whitney thinks this song is about her. <laughs> so she goes up to confront Chad because she because she just can't stay away from him. Yeah. There's like a magnetic energy between them. They just keep being brought together. So she also like asks him about going to Orville's apartment, right? Yeah, so they 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 do a little bit of recap basically. Yeah, and and Chad talks about Orville and talks about the birth certificate and his and his true parentage and wonders what Orville knows and also why is he hiding it? And Whitney is like, "Well, let me look at this because Whitney thinks that she can solve the problem even though a ton of adults looked at it and saw nothing and whatever." Anyway, so Whitney picks up the rem- the remnants of the birth certificate is like, oh yeah, everything's blacked out. I can't see anything at all. Um, and she's like, but there must be a way we can find out the real name. Like, what is your real name? If Chad Harris is is like your, I, I don't know. Pseudonym? I, I don't his know. Pseudonym? I, yeah, his, <laughs> his nom de plume. Like, what would we call it? Yeah, I don't <laughs> his know. Alias? Ass- his assumed name? Yeah, it's like, so who are you really? And he's like, yeah, who are my parents? I could be anybody's kid. Yeah. Um, and Chad actually like teases her about her trying to help him. He's like, Oh, you're trying to help me now. Uh, you must like me, huh? And she's like, no, this is for Orville. I just, he's my mother's patient and I want to help him. How? He doesn't want y'all to know the truth. How is this helping Orville? Yeah. The way that they, uh, what's the word when you're trying to convince yourself of something? It's like a word. I don't know. I'm not a, what am I? A dictionary? Aren't you? I thought you Who were. Who am I? Webster of Webster's? I thought that's what I thought that's what your your middle initial stood for. Latara Dictionary. Dictionary <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Were you trying to convince yourself of something? Delude of something. yourself? Yes, thank you. Oh, I She's, am a dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is off to a rough start already. Oh no. It's okay. I don't even remember I don't remember the point she, now. She tried I got to the word her, but I don't remember the point. She's trying to delude herself into <laughs> What are we doing? What is this? So this she's is Passion's to, podcast, right? So, she, so she's trying to delude herself into thinking that she's doing this for Orville when she's doing it because she likes Chad. Thank you. Right? Is that mm-hmm. what you were getting at? That's all. That's it. It was so simple. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Oh, Lord. Well, <laughs> so they talk through all of the information that they have so far. And then they finally talk about Eve and finally get to the part of the conversation that I was waiting on. I was waiting for Chad to say, yeah, I saw your mama last night at Orville's apartment. Very suspicious. Highly suspicious of her. So they finally get to that point of the conversation. And... Whitney is surprised to learn that her mom was at Orville's apartment, but she still believes her mother has nothing to hide. She's like, well, Orville is her patient. And if she told you she was there to make sure to find something for him, then I'm sure that's what she was there for. So Whitney is still, I think Whitney's not an idiot, right? And she definitely knows that something is off. You can see it on her face. She definitely knows Mm -hmm. that something is off. She just doesn't want to believe it. That's what I I think. think. I think she knows that if some some of this information 
is true, then it kind of erodes her entire image of her mother and her family and her position in that family and what that family means to each other. And so she, she so she defends her mother to the last, you know? So, so she and Chad basically, basically argue back and forth. Well, they don't really argue. They just like, you know, Chad makes a good point and Whitney tries to defend it, but it doesn't, it doesn't really work in my opinion. And, and she's like, yeah, you know, my mom is looking out for her patient. Like you said, she, uh, she's making sure that his property doesn't get stolen. You know, he's an old man. He's in the hospital. He's been there for a long time. Like anyone could go in. You never know. Some people will steal anything. And Chad looks at her and says, some people will believe anything. Mm -hmm. Then Whitney basically says, you know, well, just keep me updated on what's going on with this because she's interested, I guess. And mm-hmm. he's surprised that she's told him to keep her updated. He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll do. So she goes on about her business. I think she goes to talk to Teresa, who's yeah. doing some whole, some whole other shit. But um, so meanwhile, Eve is at the hospital and she's just like talking at Orville, who is asleep. Yeah, or- he's out cold and she's <laughs> trying to have a conversation with him. Yeah, and she's she's the she's the one who keeps sedating him. Yeah, like you'd think she would know he's not going to wake up and talk with me. She's a psycho. He she keeps telling him, (laughs) she keeps telling him all about her excursion into his home, and then she finally says, "If you're not going to tell me the answers, then I'm just going to have to find them on my own and get them on my own." Because she keeps like asking him, "What is it that you know? What is it that you know about Chad? And what does it have to do with my daughters and this and that?" And she says, I'll just have to go get them on my own. Then, Eve. Then. Sorry. Then she calls a social worker. Thank you. That's what I was going to talk about. Eve calls a social worker feigning concern for Oroville. Also, her name is Carol. And I just think all social workers' names are Carol. Like that, Carol. They named her so well, Carol. I mean, Carol. my mom used to be a social worker and her name certainly isn't Carol, but I don't know. My mom. Also, it was a social worker and her name is nothing like Carol. But I think Carol is a de- is a perfect social worker name. I think, yeah, they did a good job with with all of her, honestly, her her casting, her name. Yeah. Except except for how she handled this situation because it's bonkers. So it's Eve, absurd. Eve calls a social worker down from the hospital and says, I want to secure this man's home and his belongings. And the social worker is like, well, Carol says, well, this is a little unusual but I guess we can we can secure everything, lock it up and make sure that no one can come and go, you know, like, I guess we can. But why are you taking such an interest? Because this is this is not standard procedure. And he says, well, you know, I'm a doctor and he's my patient and I might be able to find some information out that could help me save his life. So you won't mind if even though it's locked up and secure, if I come and go, right? And Carol's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Like, you're what? A, you're a saint, Eve. She what? like calls her a saint. It's crazy. This is ridiculous. These people are just locking up this man's house, not letting anybody in or out, except for Eve, who has no r- true reason to go into that house. None. There's no way that would ever happen. The only thing that I could think of for why Eve would be for a medical reason that Eve would go into his home is to look for any kind of medication he might be on. If he mm-hmm. has been, you know, have suffering from dementia and he just can't remember what he medications he takes, she might go in and look for some pill bottles or whatever he's on. But like that wouldn't take very long. And you isn't can do that, that- Ill- illegal? Like you can't just enter the premises. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's like a bunch of 
like Law? official official <laughs> channels that you would have to go through. I don't know. I don't know, Laura. I, I don't guess know we are getting into it. like we are getting into like elder care. So I know that that's like a whole a whole thing I know nothing about. So I mean. I don't know. To me, it just seemed patently absurd. It did seem really, really absurd and a little too easy, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Eve can just have it all locked up. No questions asked. Right. OK. But it, it works. The And the social worker goes and makes sure that all of this is done, that nobody can get in or out of the apartment. And um, she comes back and tells Eve, we got there just in time. There was some young man there trying to get in just as we were sealing up the apartment. And Eve was like, who was it? Chad Harris. And Carol was like, yeah, actually, yeah, it was. You know what? She's like, <laughs> not really. Well, seems like you do. Seems like you do. Eve, evil. God, Eve is evil right now. Yeah, this is the worst side of Eve. It's evil not, it's Eve. Evil. Um, maybe that's what Charity was doing many episodes ago. Evil. Yeah. Evil. No, that's silly. Um, anyway, so meanwhile, Orville in his room alone, like wakes up and says, I hid all of Eve's secrets in a red envelope but I don't remember exactly where I stashed it. And he had intended to give it to her. So he put all of her, he wrote all of her secrets down, put them in a red envelope, intended to give them to her for safekeeping, but instead hid it somewhere and has misplaced that information, has no idea where it is. Yeah. What? So also at this point, when Orville wakes up, he actually overheard Eve's conversation with Carol on the phone. And he wakes up and he's like, bravo, Eve. She has no idea why you really don't want anybody in that apartment. Bravo. And he says, you re- you especially don't want Chad snooping around. And you don't want anyone to snoop around in there because they might find something about you and your past, right? And uh, Eve's like, damn it, Orville, tell me what you know. <laughs> <laughs> Orville refuses. Orville, I don't understand Orville's character at all. What is it that he wants? Right. So this entire like interaction brings up several questions for me. So because eventually Orville does tell Eve, I have your secrets in a red envelope. I was going to give them to you, but I just can't remember where it is. Right. So so what is it, A, that Orville wants and B, what is their relationship? What is the relationship between Eve and Orville? Because are they they're not perfect strangers but i thought they basically were but it seems like orville knows a lot about eve does eve know like what what is their relationship well it seems and again i don't know what their relationship is but it seems that orville know knew eve during her past right and he also knows something about chad but these two things are related in some way but for some reason, he won't just say that. Like I don't know. For some reason, like the stuff that he knows about Eve is somehow related to Chad. That's what it seems like to me. But right. Yeah. But he know. wants them to piece it together instead of giving them the answers that he so readily has available. Yeah. Or or is it that he knew about them but didn't know them personally? Yeah. Or I don't know. Or what? It was he be? Was he some kind of investigator, or was he tailing them? And was he being paid to follow them and learn their secrets and like had a change of heart 
and now he's trying to undo wrongs. I don't like. I can't really. I I can't wrap my head around what's happening here. I wonder if he's one of the people that used to clean up messes for the cranes. Yeah, like a fixer or something. Yeah, I you know I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Eve is desperate for answers, but Orville does not tell her anything and just Mm -mm. starts to sing again or something. I'm sure. I don't even remember how he, um, how we (laughs) ended this, how we ended this encounter, but actually, actually I do remember. I think she leaves and, uh, heads back to Orville's apartment, doesn't she? Well, I thought she was going to leave and head to Orville's apartment, but she leaves and goes home first. (gasps) Oh, yeah. She goes home and she's looking through pictures and is in tears. And and then, so I thought she was at Orville's place and had discovered something, but then they pan out and she's in her own room and she's looking through all these pictures. She's crying. I was like, what is going on here? And then she hears that TC comes home. And so she throws all these pictures in a secret lock box and locks it and hides it in the back of the closet. So I guess TC doesn't know it's there. And when he comes into the room, he's just thoughtful and sweet. And honey, I wanted to surprise you and spend time together. And I love you. And oh my gosh, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, it's just my mascara. And he's like, no, so I know that something else is up. I've known you for years. Like you can't you can't lie to me and think that I'm going to believe you have mascara in your eye. And he's like, I think I know what it is though. You were going down memory lane. And he pulls out a different box from the closet. It's like little baby shoes and they talk about their children and it's actually really sweet. Yeah. TC is a great husband. Yeah. He came home specifically because he wanted to spend quality time with Eve. He was like, maybe we could go on a walk. Maybe we could go out for lunch. Maybe we could just stay home and cuddle. Like, I, TC is a good husband. Yeah. And Eve right now does not deserve him. <laughs> he even backs her up on her bullshit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's be, she's being shady and he's like, look, whatever you need, I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, so she's getting emotional, right? And he's like, oh, it's because of you were just talking about the girls. So then they start to like talk about the girls and like memories they have of them. And then Eve starts to talk about, yeah, that's why it's so important. They're at a critical time in their lives and they could make one bad mistake and it could ruin their lives and ruin everything we've worked for for them. And TC's like, if I didn't know any better, I think that you were talking about yourself and talking from personal experience. But I'm sure you were a perfect girl when you were a teenager, just like you're perfect now. And she yells, I wish you would stop saying that. I'm not perfect. <laughs> well, I understand. Look, no, I do it, was too. A, it was a big reaction, but I understand. No one can stand on a pedestal and constantly be perfect it's an it's impossible it's an impossible standard no one can ever reach it and I totally understand cracking under that pressure mm-hmm. I totally get cracking under that pressure but um it's I this also brings me to another point which is even Eve is basically saying that yeah like you said our daughters are at a critical time one bad choice could 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 undo every single thing it's like then talk to your children about the importance of safe sex Safe sex the and, end. And, and good choices in general. And make good choices. Yeah. Instead of trying to keep them away from boys and keeping secrets and not telling them what's going on, then just say, look, 
tell them everything that you just told your husband. You're at a critical age. You've got a lot of big decisions coming your way. You know, I want to make, I want to, I want to help you make the right decisions and give you all of the information you need to do that, you know? And then if they make a, if they flub a little bit, then they can come back from it because they have all the information and they know how to take care of themselves. And you have, you've created a space where they can be open and honest with you as a parent and child. Yeah. Am I crazy? Yeah. On top of that, maybe don't vilify this boy you know nothing about she Mm -hmm. vilifies chad and then uses her daughters as an excuse saying well they they need to make good choices in boys well what does he have to do with that like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. just the way she talks about chad is disgusting yeah and we are about to get into it because finally tc says to her this is about chad isn't it and he says I know he's a little rough around the edges, but he seems to be a decent kid. But she goes on yet another tirade about how Chad is no good. He's a street kid with no education and no future. Like it was disgusting. It was disgusting to listen to this adult talk about this fucking orphan like this. You know, I don't know. And so TC finally says to her, you know, baby, this there seems to be more to your problem with Chad than just that you don't want the girls to make a bad mistake. What is it? Like he's he's starting to get a little frustrated with it. He's like, what is it? And she says that it's just for our daughters. I just want to keep them away from Chad and keep them safe. And I need you to back me up on this. And TC says, okay, I'll back you up. Because <laughs> yeah. he's a good husband. Yeah. And and ultimately, yeah, like the parents do need to present a united front. So he's like, yeah, when it comes to our children, I will back you up on this. But I don't think the conversation between them has finished. I think he's letting it lie for now because this is obviously not a place that she's willing to go. But there's no way that can just be the end of end of it. Yeah. You know? So now let's go to the book cafe where Whitney is apologizing to Chad because she has had a conversation with Teresa about how people shouldn't treat other people poorly, basically. Right. Like they have a whole conversation about how Gwen has been treating Teresa. And so it makes Whitney rethink how she's been treating, treating Chad. So she apologizes to him. Right. Mm -hmm. And just as she's like talking to Chad, Eve and TC walk in and the way TC reacted was hilarious. Like he was like, oh, God damn it. It was just a sigh of exasperation. He's like, Ugh. it was so funny because he was like, I already know nobody had to say anything. And he was just he saw it and he was like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I made the same note. I loved that. Oh, I, I love, love that it. we're getting to see this side of TC because, you know, at the beginning, there was a lot of like anger and it was like, we've just written an angry black man. Like, we can't do yeah. better than this. And then yeah. it, and then we got to see a little bit of the fatherly side with Chad, which was nice. And now we're getting to see him ha- like co-parent and be a good husband. And it's like, okay, thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we've yeah. written a multidimensional person. Yes. I, I'm so glad that TC has just gotten better as a, as a character. Yeah. And he's so funny. He cracks me up. And I think he's a good, such a good husband. I love him. Yeah. That's the kind of husband I would like to have. Yep. Same. He's like, he's like Thomas, Thomas and Karen on 90 Day Fiance, the family Chantel. Yeah. He's like Thomas and I love Thomas. Thomas and Karen are goals. <laughs> yes. I love them. They're a mess. I love them. They're not a mess. She's a little cuckoo. She's a mess. She's 
a mess. Thomas is awesome. <laughs> but Thomas is rock fucking solid. <laughs> yeah. So um, Eve and TC see this, but before Eve can even start in on Whitney, because she was about to go in on Whitney, and Chad like steps in and says, you know, Miss Dr. Dr. Russell, I think you and I need to clear the air. And he flat out asks her, why don't you like me? What is your problem with me? And he says, and also like, it's one thing for you to be mad at me, but I can't stand to see you punish your daughters just for talking to me. They haven't done anything wrong. I mean, he he really stands up for himself in this moment. And he says, what did I do? What is it that you think I've done? Yeah. And I was so proud of Chad in this moment. Like, I was so, so proud of him. It's such a great moment. I loved it too. I He handled it with so much dignity and with so much respect to, towards someone who was not showing him either of those things. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, no, he's like, I don't like everybody. There are plenty of, the, plenty of people I don't like, but when I don't like a person, it's because they've done something to make me think that way, right? Yeah. So why? What is the reason? It's okay, you don't have to like me, but I want to know why. And I want to make sure that your daughter's being nice to me or being friends with me doesn't change your relationship with them. I mean, it was such an adult mature way to handle the situation and that you would have expected from the adult. Right. But mm-hmm. instead it's coming from the teenager. Cause he's, yeah. you know, I, I guess he is an adult, but barely he's like, what? 18, maybe yeah. 19. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving Chad right now. Honestly, yeah. I really yeah. am. And to be honest throughout this show, I don't think I, there's a couple of later things that Chad does that I'm like, Ugh. but overall I always loved Chad. I really did. Yeah. So he in general gets better. So I, I'm loving Chad, but what does Eve say to him? She says, I don't dislike you. I don't know anything about you. That's not an answer. That's not an answer. Yep. I don't dislike. I do not not like you. Like, that's not an answer. It's I don't I don't dislike you. I don't know anything about you, but I also don't want to know anything about you, basically. Like she also yeah. you also don't want to get to know him. You're not even trying. Um, but she also says she wants him to stay away from his daughters. She says she's just trying to protect her daughters from getting hurt. And then she very snobbishly calls him um a stranger without roots and brings mm. up the fact that Chad is in harmony because he found a newspaper clipping she like laughs about it in a way scoffs at it and found yeah. a newspaper clipping with his name on it and she then she's like you know I admire people who have a purpose and a goal in life people who know who they are and know what they want and Chad Chad fires back. He's like, I'm in harmony to find out who I am. That's why I'm chasing this down. Like my goal is to know who I am and find my roots and figure out my history. And I do have goals and I do have dreams and I do have wants. I aspire to work in music. I was working in music after, after finishing my business in harmony, I intend to go to New York city and, and make it happen, you know, and, and Eve laughs in his face and demeans his dreams and his goals. And as someone with very similar dreams and goals who has worked very hard to accomplish what I have accomplished in music as a career for how long? Like fifth, more than 15 years yeah. now. I've made my income 
on music. You know, it is doable. And to see, it just felt so personal to me in mm-hmm. this moment, which might be part of the reason that I, I got so upset on behalf of Chad is because I think I think most artists of any kind have encountered this kind of thinking where someone thinks that what you do doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Chad also says it's not my fault that I don't know about my past. Like, it's, And it's not. It's not his fault. It's like she's finding fault with him about shit he has absolutely no control over. Mm-hmm. It's not his fault he got abandoned by his fucking family. How is that his fault? And then Eve says, well, I wish you all the, wuck, all the luck in the world with your future in music. But under no circumstances will your future have either of my daughters in it. Let's just make that clear. And honestly, all of this reminds me of in like like Charles Dickens like books and movies and stuff and like things set in the Victorian era where people shit on orphans constantly as if it's their fault that they are orphans you know what I mean like that they have done they somehow are wicked because they were born into circumstances that they have zero control over and it's it's something that it's so hurtful and hard to watch personally. Like I, mm-hmm. it, I just hate, I hate this. I hate this so much. Eve is disgusting. Yeah. It's hard to watch her berate this person and say the things that she's saying when it could be so much easier to just offer a helping hand. Yeah. You know, it would be it would be it would be easier on her. It'd be easier on her relationship with her husband, on her relationship with her daughters, on this child who's here seeking help and seeking answers. You know, um, it would just be easier all the way around for everybody if we would just help each other the fuck out. It's not that hard. And if she did decide to just like play nice with Chad, she could very easily like manipulate the situation to her advantage where whenever she finds out any information or anything, you know what I mean? And keep it from him. What, you know, if it yeah. comes out that it's something that's going to hurt, really hurt her or her family, you know, I'm yeah. not, I'm not condoning that. I'm just saying that you, she would be able to, I mean, you, if you're you gonna catch be more, ba- you catch more flies with honey instead of vinegar is all I'm saying. I don't know totally. why you want to catch flies, but yes, if, if Eve wants to be a villain, she can continue down this route. But if she wants to be a really good villain, she could pretend to be interested and pretend to help exactly and manipulate the situation to her favor. Yes, she could pull an Ivy. She could do I- Ivy's in the Ivy Leagues. Ivy. <laughs> Ivy's Harvard. Because that's what Ivy's doing. She's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to play nice. I'm going to make friends with Grace. Like, yes. Get what I want Mm -hmm. by playing sweet. So going on with Chad, he says, why are you trying to keep me from finding out about my past then, Dr. Russell? If you don't have a problem with me, why are you stopping me at every turn and hindering me at every turn? And he goes, you are the one who has social services seal off um, Orville's apartment and kept me from seeing if Orville had any more information than just my birth certificate. And TC asks her, baby, is this true? And Eve's like, yes, it is true. And it seems like, I mean, it is suspicious, right? She says that it is standard hospital procedures. I call bullshit and they all eat it up. They're like, oh yeah. Okay. If it's standard hospital procedure, I guess it's fine. It's obviously not. It's obviously not. When have you ever heard about this happening ever in your whole life? Never not one time. That's when. Never not once. So the Russells finally just leave 
Eve and uh, Whitney and TC all leave. And uh, outside, Eve flat out asks Whitney if she has feelings for Chad. And Whitney says she has less than zero interest in Chad. Mm-hmm. Okay, girl. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, as they are leaving through the front door, Simone enters through the back door specifically to avoid them. She saw them and came through in through the back. Yeah. <laughs> so she has a little chat with Chad and he tells her basically that he was talking to Whitney and, and when the parents came in and they gave him a mm-hmm. hard time and everything. And um, then she flat out asks him if he likes Whitney if he likes her the way that a boy likes a girl, basically what she says. Mm-hmm. And Simone is relieved to hear Chad say that Whitney is too uptight for him and she isn't his type. But then he looks off into the distance and dreams of Whitney. <laughs> and then after the dream ends, it pans to Whitney, who is sharing the same dream, thinking about Chad. Yep. Daydreaming about each other. Yeah. All right. So now I think we should move on to this Martin Fitzgerald storyline. Oh, we got to We got to talk about this. Let's start with Julian. Yes. Julian at the mansion. He's on the phone with this man. Is his name Henry LeBlanc? Is that I wrote his name? Henry DeBlanc, but yeah, something like that. Oh, we're close. Henry Blank Blanc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Henry's the funeral home director, right? Yes. And he is at the We'll Meet Again crematorium. <laughs> yes. I want that down too. <laughs> What a horrible name. We'll meet again, crematorium. (laughs) (laughs) What even is that? Who named that? I don't know. It's hilarious. (laughs) So he's got the body over at the we'll meet again crematorium. And Henry is having second thoughts about having Martin cremated without the consent of the family because it's illegal. Yeah. Not to mention incredibly unethical and just vile. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, he's like, I'm having second thoughts about this. And Julian is like, fuck it. Do it anyway. I'm going to handle the family. Everything's going to be fine. And Henry's like, okay. Yeah. He's like, keep your, Julian's like, keep your mouth shut and do what you're told. Is he being paid Boku bucks or is he just intimidated and scared? Or I, think both? He's, I think it's, I think it's both. Julian's just like the mob boss of Harmony. And I don't think Julian's the one who's the scary one. I think it's Alistair. Well, we know Julian's not scary. He's like laughable. Yeah, I think I think people know what the cranes are capable. I mean, I know this man knows what the cranes are capable of. I mean, he knows literally knows where the bodies are buried. Mm. <laughs> they're know? they're buried at the we'll meet again crematorium <laughs> yeah they're burned there he, he literally burned. knows where the bodies are burned oh yeah so i think he might be particularly scared of them yeah that makes sense so um yeah so this guy is moving ahead with the plan and uh Al- julian receives a call from alistair to discuss the details of disposing the body well julian once again congratulates himself prematurely once again con- is congratulating himself and he tells Alistair like everything's taken care of and Alistair tells him uh he wants Julian to go and oversee the cremation personally this is really important to Alistair yeah Alistair basically is like put down the scotch and 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 says you're celebrating early you got to finish the job don't count your chickens before they fucking hatch mm-hmm. like you keep bungling things son he's get he's it a, right he's a serial bungler 
He's an SB. A serial bungler. Oh, God, he's such a buffoon. So, yeah, so Mar- uh, so Julian has to head over to the We'll Meet Again crematorium. Yep. So while all this is happening, Luis is on the phone at home with Pilar and Sheridan in the kitchen. He's trying to locate his father's body Mm -hmm. because they know that it's not at the morgue where it's supposed to be and it's been released. But they don't have the name of the person who approved the release. They don't have the name of the mortuary where where it's been released to. So... Uh, they do a little bit of recap. Actually, they recap like champs. And then Sheridan and he both get on the phone and start making phone calls to try and locate Martin's body. Yeah. And then Luis like explains to Pilar and Sheridan that the hospital actually has no record of the mortuary who picked up the body or who signed off on the body to be released. And Pilar's like panicking, right? And they, she says, if we don't find Martin's body, then there will never be any way for us to find out if that body was actually Martin or not. And uh, so the race is on. The race is on, right? Because at this point, Pilar is the only one who has doubts. Everybody else has bought this idea that Julian has sold them, that this is Martin Fitzgerald. And Pilar is the only person who's like, This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I didn't get a good look at him. It's been years since I've seen him. His face was covered in blood and cuts and this huge bushy beard. And I just feel like I've been pushed into something and it doesn't feel right. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. So uh, while they're inside frantically calling every morgue and mortuary in the greater Harmony area (laughs) in the metropolitan area of Harmony. Um, Outside, Teresa is talking to Ethan. Teresa's about to spill the beans to Ethan. But luckily for her, he just continues to make assumptions. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's, she's trying to tell him something about her father's death. And he interrupts her and says, I know what this is about. You do? Can I speak? Ethan has said, I know what this is about so many times, and I don't think he's ever gotten it right. I don't think he ever knows what this is about. Never not once. But he's happy to put the words in other people's mouths. Girl, he says, I took a few psych college... I took a few psych classes in college and it's not uncommon for children no matter how old they are to blame themselves when a parent dies. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, shut (sighs) the fuck up. You took a few psych classes and that makes that makes you qualified to analyze this girl right now i took a few psych classes sure you did you didn't pass them i've generally found the best way to uh find out a person's feelings is to just tell them what they feel yep mm-hmm. <laughs> right people, that's what love you learn. When, people love when you do that yeah that's what i learned in my psych classes in college is like i should just assign whatever feelings i think should be given to that person and then just go with it Yeah. You know what I learned in my psych classes in college? Hmm. The word cognizant. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I learned in my psych classes in college? What? That the professor was a fucking nut. (laughs) (laughs) She graded on a curve to the point that even if you got an A, if it was a lower A than the next person in class, you could get bumped down in the curve. So like, yeah. So like I would, I would get like B's even though I was scoring like 94 and 95. (gasps) Yeah. It was super fucked up. The whole class banded together and went to the, went to the, um, 
uh, director and we're just like, look, this is what's going on. And, and we're in, first of all, we're in a music conservatory and this psych class is not going to be the thing that brings my GPA down. Yeah. You know, it's like, and also this is what's going on. And they, she didn't last long. Yeah. Well, good. Because that's super fucked up. Yeah. Anyway, so Ethan continues to play Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung. To, to Teresa, <laughs> right? Like he continues on analyzing her and he says, you have to accept that your father is gone and there's nothing you could ever do to have saved him and nothing you did is his is um, responsible for his death. Your father is the only one who's responsible for his death, you know? Yeah, and, and just as Teresa finally is given the space to speak, she's about to reel the truth when Pilar comes out and delivers the news that Martin's body has gone missing. Woof. Yeah. Uh, she, and like, Teresa's legs give out, right? Like, she's in shock, which is shock. It's shocking. Where's mm-hmm. his body? Mm-hmm. What happened? Where's Papa? What happened to Papa? I and- killed Papa. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mama. I killed Papa. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mama. <laughs> But uh, so then Ethan decides to go inside to see if he can help. Like he gets Teresa back to her feet and he goes back inside to see if if he can help and make some calls, too. And once Ethan is gone, Pilar tells Teresa that she's not sure that the man who died was actually Martin. And then Teresa is like, so maybe maybe I didn't kill Papa. (laughs) Yeah. Teresa only hears that if the man who died wasn't Martin, then it means that my love for Ethan didn't kill Papa. Yep. She can't see anything outside the lens of her heart-shaped, rose-colored glasses that she is looking at Ethan through. A lunatic who actually does need a real therapist, not Ethan Crane, who took a couple of psych classes in college. She needs a real psychiatrist. Yes, and potentially medication. Yeah. She is Like some psychotropics. Yeah, she's some antipsychotics. No, yeah. she she's not um, living in the reality that the rest of the us are living in. Yeah, so Ethan goes in for a while to see if he can help make phone make phone calls um, and kind of figure out what's going on with the mortuary. But eventually, he returns back outside to continue the fate conversation uh, when he receives a call from Gwen. Yeah, she calls to invite him to lunch. She's like walking out. In Lighthouse Park, I think. She's like, I'll be... I, she literally is like, I feel bad that Teresa lost her father, but I'll be damned if she's going to steal my boyfriend from me. She is disgusting. She says to herself that Teresa will have to fight her to the death. To the death. That's a that's a bit much, don't you think, for Ethan? You're going to go into the Coliseum for and, Ethan? Like, f- and fight each other with a bunch of tigers and shit? Like, for Ethan? For him? Him? question mark my voice can't go up any higher (laughs) um so she then asks him where he is and he says oh i'm at pilar's and she's like teresa's you mean yeah you mean you're at teresa's house she's pathetic i can't can't stand her she's pathetic but you know what she is evolving because instead of fighting with him because she knows it's not going to go anywhere she saves it and she plays along and plays nice and uh I think she's really just saving all the energy for Teresa. But Oh, yeah. For yeah. sure. And so and so um, she's like, well, I'd love to meet you. I'm at the park. We could grab some lunch. I'll see you whenever you whenever you can finish up at the house. And he's like, sure, I'll be there in a, in a jiffy. 
and he gets off the phone with Gwen. But before he leaves, he he explains to Teresa that he's meeting Gwen, all this other stuff. And Teresa, being the bigger person, apologizes for upsetting Gwen. Yeah. Teresa's cool. She's a lunatic, I'm, but but I like her. Uh, she's not a bad person, though. No, like, she's you not. Know? We see later on that she gets more upset at Gwen because how shitty Gwen is, like how she treats her. You know what yeah. I mean? She's like, Gwen's a bad person. She she makes that assert assertion later on. I think that the moral compass and the like justice minded um, values in the Lopez Fitzgerald family shines through in all of them. You know, with Luis talking about social justice and all this earlier on in the episodes and Teresa taking a real moral stand on like, do the right thing. Don't be mean to people. Like you can make mistakes, but, but you have to own up to them. You know, like, I don't know. I think yeah. that, I think that Pilar has done a great job. <laughs> yeah, I, Pilar has done a great job. She does her best, and she's broken her back trying to raise all yeah. everybody in harmony. To, let's be honest. And let's be honest. I mean, I know they all have mental health issues, but but <laughs> don't we all? Who but doesn't? Don't we all? But Who don't doesn't? we all? You know, like don't yeah. we all? So yeah, he he finally leaves after she apologizes to him for for upsetting Gwen and. Um, then Teresa, so Teresa's like back on the Ethan train, y'all. Like she never really got off. <laughs> she never really got off the train. I mean, yeah. she, she was really upset and saying that she was going to have to tell Ethan, but she had, she really had every opportunity to do so. And she didn't. Well, no one would let her talk. None of these men would let her speak. <laughs> That's true. Between Miguel and Ethan, the, the himbo and the dum-dum, like wouldn't let the, wouldn't let the girl get a word in. Yeah. So let's go back inside the house where Luis has figured out where Martin's body is and calls the we'll never or not we'll never meet again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. The we'll meet again mortuary. What is it? Crematorium. And Henry picks up. Henry picks up the phone, right? Henry Blanc Blanc. And and Luis (laughs) threatens him and says that if Martin's body was cremated without his family's consent that he um that they will be pressing charges and he will be charged with a felony right and louise says um i'm on my way and henry is super flustered right and once louise gets off the phone he says yo that man called me officer on the phone but i never said i was an officer how did he know right What's what's really going on here? How does he know who I am? If he says that he doesn't know the name, that name doesn't ring a bell to him. So, mm-hmm. so he, Sheridan and Pilar, hop in the car and drive down to the mortuary to go be badasses. Yeah, they hurry off. When we get to the mortuary, we see that Henry is trying to convince the technician to burn the body. And the technician is on the phone confirming the cremation when Luis comes in and halts the whole thing. Like they were minutes away from losing this body because um, because Martin had been bumped to the front of the list. He was yeah. going to be the first body in the to, to be cremated that day. And... Sheridan recognizes the guy as the Crane family mortician. She's like, "Wait a minute, I know you. You're the you're the mortician who has he's um handled all of the Crane family deaths for years, right?" And uh so then Luis yanks him the fuck up and is like, "I demand to know who authorized you to take this body from the morgue and have him cremated." And then Julian walks in and goes, "I authorized it." 
It was so dramatic. <laughs> oh my God. And Julian, Julian accepts responsibility. It was my call. And he makes excuses and claims to have been doing what was best for the family. And, you know, back in the day, Martin and I had a conversation about what we would want when we died. And he expressed his desire to be cremated and all this other stuff. And goes on this whole big speech about helping with the emotional and financial burden during such a difficult time. And Luis asks an important question. Why a cremation? Why not a burial? Because this is a very Catholic family. They're going to want to be buried. They're not going to want to be cremated. And so he dives more into this made-up story. Totally made-up story. And Luis asks asks Pilar, like, is this legit, This, this story that Julian's talking about, how Martin always wanted to have a cremation and Pilar's like well we never talked about it so I don't know I don't he, know his desires you well um Louise asks a lot of good questions and Julian has bad answers for all of them yeah because he asks him well why would you even be having a conversation with my father he was just a lowly day laborer at Crane Industries why would you ever even be having a conversation with him And then Julian spins this ridiculous tale about his uncle Thaddy. When my uncle Thaddy died, I was devastated. And I was uh, the next day I was taking a tour around the the factory floor. And Martin came up to me and offered his condolences. And then we had a conversation about death. Really? Really? This makes it doesn't make any sense at all. And I'm not buying it. And neither is Luis or anybody else in this room for that matter. Nobody's fucking buying it. Because then Luis is like, what the fuck gives you the right, number one, to take my father's body and just have him cremated without asking anybody, getting any consent from anyone? Like, Mm -hmm. even if he even if Julian truly thought that he was doing the right thing, it is the most absurd thing you could possibly like. How could you ever even think that that was the right thing to do? You know what I mean? How could you even fix your mouth to defend it? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make well, any sense. I think Julian is just so used to not being questioned. You know, he just has a bunch of yes men that he pays off. And so he just thinks. And and I think his father is so intimidating and so scary that there's like an authority there that he um he is he wields without really having anything to back it up, you know? And so Julian is just used to people kowtowing. Whatever he says, they just nod and agree with. So whenever he's asked hard questions he comes up with shitty answers but thinks he's done a good job yeah i mean how again how could you think it was your place to make this decision for somebody else's family is beyond me god complex i mean of course obviously he was doing it to cover his own ass we know that yeah but like the 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 excuse if i'm in Luis's shoes the shit does not hold water for me that doesn't make any sense Julian thinks that he is well within his rights to make decisions for everybody. And he thinks that he's always going to make the right call. Like he's, he, he's, I, look, I laugh at him a lot because he is such a bumbling fool and, and he does say like funny, outrageous things. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the character of Julian is a slithering, disgusting snake. He is so, so gross. He is always out of line. And this is just another example of it. I don't want anyone to think I, I don't want anyone to get the impression that I like Julian. He's 
I, I'm not going to say he's a monster because that's giving him far more power than he deserves. He's a fucking worm. A s- sludge slime. That's what he yeah. is. Sludge and yeah. slime. He's disgusting. Yeah. Um. Well, eventually we get to a place where Pilar is ready to view the body, right? Like whatever. Mm-hmm. It, we, it, it is, t- it is time. It <sighs> is time. So Pilar's ready to view the body. They open up the casket. And she says, well, I can't see the scar because of the beard. So they have the mortician, the mortician, like shave him behind his ear or whatever. And then she looks into the casket and she just starts to sob. And the scar is there. And uh, yeah, so that just kind of I was like, well, I literally wrote my notes. I was like, well, this just kind of fizzled. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, but there, there needed but they to be, did it, they did it right. They, they really did it the right way. It did. They fizzle. did it right. They, it, they, they did do it right. Like when we get the reveal, it was, it was good, but I think they needed to either make more of this or make less of this, you know, like it needed to be bigger or be more drawn out. Like it just happened so quickly compared to everything else that has happened in this show that it felt smaller than it really is. Um, I think they had to wrap this up because they are wanting to move into other storylines now because mm-hmm. this Martin stuff, honestly, a lot of it, we don't get the real answers to this until like two, we didn't get the real answers to this until like 2004. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happens. So like the real Martin reveal is way off into the distance. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I think they were just going to, I think they were like, we're going to wrap this up and move on to some other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then bring this back when people have started to forget about it to be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. I think, I don't know, but uh, I, I like the way, I, I actually kind of like the way they played this. Cause honestly, we've been doing the Martin shit for a while. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I was ready to wrap it up personally. Yeah. Especially, I was especially ready to get pe- get to the point where everybody knows that this is not Martin Fitzgerald. Right, right. You know? I, fa- I kind of feel like the show wants to empower people and make them feel like they've, they've figured it out. And it's like you're rooting for the characters to figure it out too, right? It's kind of like the reverse of a lot of television where they're trying to keep you hooked and interested by not giving you all the answers. Yeah. I feel like this kind of does the opposite. You're absolutely right. That's But that's so much of, so again of watching a soap opera, we often know exactly what's going on. We often mm. know all of the tricks, all of the things, because they t- they flat out just like tell us what they're thinking out loud. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they soliloquize constantly. Yeah. So I think that's part of the fun of basically all soap operas is that I do know what's going on. And later on, they're going to give me some twists and turns. But for the most part, I know who's bad. I know who's good. There's no guess. There's really no guesswork. Mm. it's easy watching it's easy watching yeah yeah Yeah. okay so it it seemed this seems to be martin's body right at this point that's where we are this seems to be martin's body yep that's where we are there's a scar behind the ear pilar is shocked luis is like well i guess we gotta just admit the truth this is this is father like what else is there to do? Yeah. And I mean, Luis was already there, right? Like, yeah. Luis is like, okay, I guess we'll do this. I'm going to do this for you because you're my mama and you mean the world to me. Yeah. So Julian and Sheridan give their condolences and they leave. And, and actually, they have like a little aside where Sheridan, Sheridan almost um, is proud of Julian. I don't know. I don't know what the best way. She's like surprised by Julian's like, 
generosity because he said he was like paying for the funeral and stuff like that. And he's like, well, I'm not a monster like you think I am, sister. And then she walks off and he smiles like at the camera. <laughs> like the Cheshire cat. Like like it was like so villainous. Yeah. Um, but they leave. and But Pilar still feels very uneasy about this situation. Keep, she keeps saying something is wrong. This is not right. Something she says, is wrong. She says, I know all the evidence says it's Martin. And Julian Crane says it's Martin. But my heart tells me no. And Luis is extremely skeptical. But Pilar begs him to help her uncover the truth. And of course, Luis is going to agree. His yes. mama is his world. Yeah, he, he, she's like, you have to help me. You have to figure it out and find out beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like, you have to get me the evidence. I mean, like all of the, uh, but you have a lot of concrete evidence in front of you, you know. Mm. So this puts Luis in a tough position, but he's like, yeah, mama, I'm going to do it. I'll t- I'm, I'm going to do this for you. So we follow Luis to the precinct where he enlists the help of Sam. And he they kind of talk through what they have. And Sam's like, look, I'm going to help you find rock solid evidence. He vows to help Luis. And then they run down what they do and don't have. They don't have fingerprints and they can't get fingerprints because Martin never had his taken. There are no military records. Uh, there's no information about his blood type. Um, and this was very peculiar to me. They run into a dead end when it comes to dental records because the man who fell through the skylight had false teeth. All of his teeth All were pulled out. All of his out. teeth were false He was like teeth. George Washington cherry wood mouth teeth. Like, what? Yeah. That's so strange. It is, it is strange, isn't it? I, I wonder why his teeth were fake. You know? Was I mean, it, this- could it be that he was pretending to be somebody else and... They had to they had to cover every single trace they possibly could of this other man. If that's true, this is quite the decoy. Girl, he had the scar that Pilar thought she was the only person that knew about. But he had it like obviously they put it down. But uh, I'm sorry, I I yelled into this. But my my fucking issue is that man looks nothing like the real Martin Fitzgerald. Yeah. Like if you're going to go to all this work, like maybe employ a plastic surgeon to do a little do a little something. That when he come when he comes back in about two thousand episodes or so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when he came on screen, I was like, "This man is maybe two years older than Luis. Like he can't possibly be his father. Like there's no way they might be brothers." Yeah. Well, anyway, they hit a bunch of dead ends and finally come to like, "Oh, what about a DNA test?" Because that's the my first thought was like, "Well, it's the year two thousand, so DNA tests and paternity tests were available." and fairly um um accessible not just accessible what's the word that i was looking for sorry now you have to be the dictionary oh boy well describe the word to me reliable that's the word i was looking for actually the word you're looking for is reliable (laughs) fairly reliable (laughs) at this point so um i that's my that was like my immediate thought i was like they should just do a dna test right then Louise talks about how it's too expensive and it'll make a huge dent in the college funds for Miguel and Teresa. Yes, but this is an open investigation. So yes. would the family pay for it or would it the police department be paying for it? Like that this is, shouldn't be coming out of their pocket. That is exactly what I wrote. I was like, wait a minute. This is 
a missing persons case and we're trying to figure out who this person is. And you're talking to the chief of police about it. Yeah. Shouldn't the police just pay for it? Doesn't the government do that? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the budget. So anyway, Louise pays for this DNA test out of his pocket for whatever reason. Yeah. And Sam... Poor Eve is just the catch-all doctor. I do anything that has to do with medicine and science. Sam is like, Louise, I think you should call Dr. Russell and see if she can help you in any way. And maybe she knows people, but like a forensics lab is not the same thing as like a hospital. Girl, I so <laughs> I said the same. It was so many things where I was like, why do they ask Eve about this? Why Eve? She what does she know about DNA testing? Like she's a general practitioner. Not she doesn't work in a lab, right? You know what I mean? Like it's whatever. like calling a cardiologist because you have a podiatry issue. Right. You know, it's like okay, well, let, you know, there are specialties in medicine, <laughs> not in harmony eve eve knows everything about everything apparently 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 mm-hmm. so all right so now let's talk about Teresa, ethan and gwen this little love triangle honey oh lord so Teresa has met with is meeting with whitney at the book cafe and she tells her the the maybe good news that the man who died might not be her father. And so she goes, so I might not have to give up on Ethan after all. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, um, get your priorities straight. Yeah. And so oh. elsewhere, Ethan is meeting up with Gwen at, a, at the park and uh, she doesn't ask how Teresa is immediately she asks where what her boyfriend was like right like Ethan gets there and she doesn't say how's Teresa doing how's Pilar doing with everything how's how are they doing she immediately just asks how was what was Teresa's boyfriend like and she tries to do it I don't know she thinks she's so slick but she's I mean, I'm, she can get over on Ethan because he's an idiot. But literally anybody else, anybody else can see right through her. She's just like, so what was he like? And Ethan's like, who? And she's like, his, her boyfriend. He was there, wasn't he? I, I mean, of course her boyfriend was there to comfort her in this time. Gwen is the picture of obvious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and like like you said, Ethan is a dum-dum and, and doesn't see what she's doing somehow. But she basically starts the same old fight. You know, I Mm -hmm. think Teresa's in love with you and she just hasn't gotten around to telling you yet. And she goes on further to insist that Teresa is dismissed from her job at the Crane Mansion. And when Ethan objects, she says, look, I'm not looking to take food off of anyone's table. But uh, she basically insists that it's a condition that Teresa needs to needs to go and that um, Ivy should help her find an equal position elsewhere. And Ethan accepts these conditions. Girl, this was all very odd to me because Ethan, for whatever reason, when Gwen like brings these things up, he, for whatever reason, says, I thought we were past all this Teresa stuff. What would have made you? What made you think that? Because he want because he wanted it that way, and Ethan is used to getting what he wants. Yeah, and yeah, he agrees to her conditions. He she basically says, if I can prove to you that Teresa is in love with you, then will you agree? And he's like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, I don't think he has any, any intention of firing Teresa. No more empty words from Ethan. He is so insincere. He's just trying to get Gwen off his back. He's trying to get Gwen off his back. 
I, but I also think in this moment, I'm, I can't be too mad at Ethan about him just going along with it because Gwen, he has had this conversation with Gwen so many times and he, Gwen's not hearing him either at this point. They're just not, they're just not hearing each other. Look, she, I'm not trying to defend Gwen. She's absolutely out of line. I think we've we've just gotten to a place where this couple shouldn't be together and they both know it in their heart of hearts, but they haven't admitted it to each other yet. So they're going to fight about the same thing over and over and over and take a few breaks and then get back together and and do the whole thing before they finally realize that it's it's beyond repair and they they don't want to put the effort in to hearing each other because they're both too hurt. So like it's just it's just an elongated breakup and we're starting to see the worst side of Gwen. Yeah. So this couple, these two go to the book cafe and uh they of course encounter Teresa there where Gwen presses Teresa about her boyfriend saying, "Surely he'll be at the funeral, right? Um we're really looking forward to meeting him at your father's funeral." This girl is gross. She's so gross. She just keeps and she just keeps needling Teresa about this boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ethan finally says, I'm sure Teresa's got bigger things on her mind than this boyfriend at the moment. Let's maybe leave her alone. <laughs> right. You know, right. She because for all Gwen knows, Teresa's father is dead. Right. And Ethan keeps bringing that up. It's like, this girl is grieving. She is in mourning. Leave her alone. Like, we'll deal with it later. This this can, this can needs to be on the back burner. And Gwen, but Gwen, I think this just inspires Gwen to push harder. Yeah. And instead of dealing with the actual problem, which is her boyfriend, she starts taking it out on Teresa full force. Yeah. Because then Ethan goes to get some coffee And Teresa tries to leave and get the fuck out of there, too. But Gwen stops her and says, we have a lot to talk about, don't we, Teresa? She chases her down and grabs her arm to physically hold her there to speak to her. Yeah. She and she pretends to care about Teresa's trouble. She pretends to care. She's just like, oh, and I know you're going through a lot, but about this boyfriend of yours, like she is so horrible. And she starts to, like, describe Ethan, basically, without saying it's Ethan. She says, oh, your boyfriend must be kind, caring, trusting, perhaps a little naive to other people's agendas. Huh. Sounds like someone else I know. Mm. She's so, again, the picture of obvious. Yeah. And then Ethan comes back and overhears Gwen just being a bitch to Teresa. And he gently intervenes and he's like... What's going on here? And then Teresa leaves. She she makes her escape from Gwen. Yeah. But Teresa stays at the book cafe and goes to sit with Whitney. And um, she tells her what happened and is incensed. And let me just tell you, Gwen has awakened the sleeping, sorry, the sleeping giant. The sleeping dragon. She, like, Teresa is the fucking giant. And, like, you do not want to fuck with Teresa. And Teresa's (laughs) not a bad person, but you, we see how she, you see how she is. When she wants something, she's going to get it. And she's going to do any and everything within her power to do so. Oh, yeah. And, uh... Gwen doesn't know who the fuck she's fucking with. (laughs) And I'm so, and I'm so excited about it. Like there's some shit at the funeral that I was just like, girl, you don't even know. 
so stoked. I uh, I loved because Teresa came back and tells Whitney, she's like, Gwen was using my father's funeral like a country club dance. She calls her, what an unfeeling bitch. And mm-hmm. Whitney pushes back on this because I don't think she's really heard Teresa like talk about other people like this. And Teresa says, no, she was being intentionally mean. She wasn't trying to push my buttons. She wasn't trying to dig for information. She was trying to be hurtful about the fact that my father died in front of my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yes. She, oh, Lord. It was, I just love that fire that she, I mean, she just stoked that fire within Teresa and you can see mm-hmm. it in her eyes. She's, mm-hmm. those eyes are burning and she's like, I'm going to fix her. Just you wait. <laughs> it's not like at this point, it's not even about Ethan anymore for Teresa. I don't think like at this point it, it, it I mean, it's still a lot about Ter- Ethan, but Part of it is like beating Gwen now. I don't think any of it's about Ethan at this point. I think up to this point, it's all been about Ethan. I think in this moment, Teresa has an adversary and she needs to wipe her out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because because she's like, this person is directly attacking me and my family. So it's game on. Game on, bitch. Oh, I can't (laughs) wait. It's so good. Um, so yeah, Whitney uh says to her though, what would you do if you were in her shoes? Like are you any better? Um, she says, Teresa says, I would never be that cold and, and unfeeling. And she goes, the way that she behaved is wrong. And nobody should treat anybody like that, basically. And Whitney says, maybe you're right, but you don't have a boyfriend and you are after hers. Like, she's not wrong about that. Whitney makes right. that point, which is a good point. It's a good point. Whitney's a good friend. You know, she's going to back her buddy up, but she's also going to keep inundating her with reality. Yeah, she definitely keeps it real with Teresa, but yeah. she does, But she also is there for the dramatics. That's my, I think I like a lot of um, the way Whitney and Teresa's relationship is because I, I, that's the kind of friendship that I want to have. You know what I mean? Those are the kind of <laughs> friendships that I want where, where you are going to ride with me on my bullshit, but you will also tell me I'm wrong, but you still going to ride. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Like I appreciate your input, but you still going to ride along on this bullshit. As long as it doesn't land us in jail. The right. Answer is of course. Yes. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Course. You know, I'm, you know, I'm terrified of going to jail. You know, that's Don't like one worry. of my biggest fears. I know you're never going to go to jail for me. Don't worry. I'm never going to jail for any goddamn <laughs> body. Not a soul. Not a soul. Would I go to jail prison for forgetting? You can forget soul. it. Maybe the drunk tank overnight, but Mm-mm. <laughs> no, not even the that. Hell no. No. Mm-mm. Sandra Bland went to to to. Uh, oh. jail for one day and ended up dead. No, we'll yeah. n- you never catch me in one of them places. No. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So let's move on. <laughs> all good. All good. So do we need to talk about Teresa's phone thing? I don't think it's really important. Uh, well, all I'm going to say is that Teresa says to Whitney, it's time I turn the tables on that phony blonde and, sh- and put her in her place. And she says, I know just the way Um, Gwen wants to meet my boyfriend. So I'll let her. I was very confused about this because then she does. She asks for Whitney's phone, makes some random phone calls and then walks over to Teresa. I mean, walks over to Gwen and Ethan and says, 
I just talked to my boyfriend and he did say that he was going to be at the funeral. But because Teresa is very convinced that the man is not her father. So there will not be a funeral. Like that's where she is. That's where her fucking head is now. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I don't. I mean, honestly, I think it's filler. Personally, I mean, yeah, it's Teresa doesn't think that the man's going to be her father because her mom said they have to check behind the ear. So she's like, I'll just pretend I have a boyfriend. It's fine. But then her mom um, does call her and, and she discuss or Lu, is it Luis? Does Luis come in? It's um no Sheridan. Sheridan comes in. Oh. Sheridan comes into the book cafe and she actually did right at that moment where Teresa's telling them that, you know, um, my boyfriend's going to be at the funeral. Sheridan comes in and of all people, tells Teresa this bad news. I don't know why Sheridan thought it was her place, but yeah. Sh- Sheridan comes in, tells her your your mother ID'd the body as your father. Teresa g- gets like so sad, very upset, goes weak in the knees and sits down and they're trying to like console her and then she's like, I think I just want to be alone. So she starts to, le- she just leaves. She's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And then Gwen... This girl just found out her dad is for sure dead, right? Gwen immediately does not skip a beat. She says, oh, I've got to get back to the office. I've got a lot of work to do at the office. I'll see you later. Love you. Bye. And she chases Teresa down and stops her. And Mm -hmm. just to tell her that she and um, Ethan are really looking forward to meeting her boyfriend at the funeral. This bitch is vile. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. I, I'm just at I got, a loss. I've got, no, I've got nothing to add. I've got nothing to add. I'm, I'm just, I'm just at a loss. She's and she's pathetic. It's pathetic. This yeah. you're doing all. You're bullying a teenage girl for Ethan. It's pathetic. You're bullying a teenage girl for anybody. Bull, it's pathetic. Bull, I mean, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to get on a soapbox about bullying and about how it just what what that means and all this other stuff. But like G- Gwen. Gwen has a lot of work to do on herself. She's a grown woman. Yeah. A grown woman bullying it's, a teenage girl. Yeah. It's like these adults who go on online and pretend that they're teenagers and like bully teens until they like commit suicide. It's, it's so fucked up. It's it. Yeah. It's like go to therapy. Do some journaling, mm. you know, maybe be a little bit more introspective and figure out what's going on in your life that makes you think act out in this way because this kind of behavior shouldn't make you feel better. Yeah. Like you should be more evolved than this, right? Yeah. But she's not at and all. She's, and she's pretending that it's about Ethan. That's the, this is what drives, I keep saying the same thing, but it drives me crazy. Gwen is pretending that this is a problem about Ethan. It's not, it's a problem about herself and her own insecurities that she should be having the conversation with Ethan about, but she's taking it out on Teresa because she thinks that she's a child and she can, she can uh, get one over on her. You know, mm-hmm. she's like, she won't go toe to toe with another adult and actually deal with it. She'll just pick on a kid. I, I can't, I can't, mm-hmm. I got to stop talking about it. Mm-mm. So I think at this point we need to start talking about the uh, magic storyline going over to, yeah. to these witches. Let's talk about Tabitha. She's reading a book about magic, but there are no words. Yeah, she's trying to she's trying to make out another prediction out of that book that of predictions, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she can't see what's there, so she like pours one of uh, Timmy's Martimmy's on it for some reason, and then tries to like dab it up, and it doesn't help. Uh, yeah, I found that alcohol doesn't generally improve my vision or clarity. <laughs> but, I, you know, yeah, to I, each their own. I got to be honest, my 
my notes about Tabitha and Timmy this week are crazy. I don't know. I sincerely have no clue what the fuck is going on with them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's a lot. There's a lot of fluff. So let's let me let me, let me help you. OK, this is the important stuff for Tabitha and Timmy. Tabitha needs to turn good girl charity into bad girl charity. The angel appears and says that she will never let Tabitha bring charity to the dark side because she's counting on Miguel's love to keep charity pure and good. And Tabitha retaliates by trying to grab a strand of the angel's hair because she wants to use it in a potion, which will help bring charity to the dark side. I assume it's going to help Tabitha appear to be good, but in reality, she'll still hang on to her evilness. But this is all assumption. I don't know. And then the angel disappears very quickly. And Tabitha rejoices, thinking that heaven's running scared, which means that Kay must be succeeding at winning Miguel over. Okay. okay. There's a lot of bullshit, but that's what's like, going that's on. That's basically what I wrote. <laughs> Those are like all the notes I wrote. I just... I'm conf- I'm just confused. I don't know. I don't know. I because Tabitha does Tabitha want to? She doesn't want to kill Charity anymore. She now just wants to make her evil. Now she wants to make her evil. Yeah, okay. yeah. She's off the let's kill Charity train, and she's on the let's make her evil train. <laughs> so ridiculous. So then Kay comes by. Oh, because Kay had the brooch. And she can't yeah. see Miguel's face in, in it anymore, right? Right. That magic brooch that Tabitha gave her isn't working. And so she's so she knocks on the door and, and basically immediately is like, my brooch isn't working and shoves it in Tabitha's face. Like, look, <laughs> I can't see the face of my love anymore. And Tabitha says, well, if you don't see the face of the boy you love, that means he's becoming somebody else's. You're losing him. Yeah. Oh, and then Kay's like, oh, no. And she like seems to be given up. And then Tabitha like shakes her violently. It's hilarious. (laughs) She shakes her violently. It's like, you mustn't give up on your love. (laughs) You can't let true love slip through your fingers, Kay. You've got to fight. (laughs) So what's going on with Miguel and Charity? They're out for a walk, right? Yeah, they're out for a walk and they're like, um, I think they're at Lighthouse Park maybe. And they're Mm -hmm. looking through those binoculars because there's an island just off the coast. Oh, yeah. And Miguel, I think, has told the story, but revisits the story about how when he was little, his dad had this had his eye on the property on that island because he wanted to renovate the house and fix it up and all this other stuff. And Miguel... Miguel doesn't have his own (laughs) dreams. He's just absorbed his father's dream, which is sad to me. I don't know. I just, I want him to want more for himself than to just live somebody else's dreams. All Miguel wants is charity. Like that's it. This, she's the only thing he's ever wanted. It seems. Yeah. The kid, like these two just dream about owning this property together and what that would be and like living a happy life. And that's beautiful. It is. But I just feel like when you're a teenager, you should want so much more. Like you should really, you know? Yeah. I, I just realized, I just remembered that during all of this, Kay is actually at the park with them. I forgot. She, she's at the park before she goes to tap this house with that brooch. Right. Yeah. So she's, she's like lurking and (laughs) lurking and scheming nearby while while these two are just saying sappy things to each other. And you are right. Teenagers should not be 
Well, uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess they when both I was a suffered teenager, such big losses, though, that yeah. maybe it's, br- it's brought them down to reality more than most kids. I just feel like you, you should have pie in the sky dreams. Well, I also think, though, a lot of teenagers think a lot about like relationships and love and that's when you start to really think about those things I think and and all of the media that is targeted towards you a lot of it especially for girls is about boys you know what I mean yeah. it's about uh you know, falling in love with boys, going to dances, doing all of these things and getting married and having children. It, a lot of that at that that stuff that is um, targeted to teens and tweens is about like teenage love. Yeah. So and I get it. I, and I used to love it. I, I mean, I kind of still love a lot of it. But um, so I guess part of it is that that's what this show is doing is mm-hmm. targeting that audience yeah. Because like a lot of our listeners have said, they when they used to watch this show, they loved this storyline so much. Yeah, it's funny because I, I so many people have said that and I'm I and I get it. I do think that if I was like 14, 15, I would be so into what's happening with these kids. I really do think that. But I'm I'm just I'm watching it for the first time through my adult eyes and mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time with it because it's so short-sighted we are so underselling life you know like to to kids when all we say is like the most important thing you can do is find a boyfriend or a girlfriend like yeah I agree and I I do think it's important I don't want to say it's not like finding love is is what life is about it is about love it's about your relationships with people but outside of just your your significant other it's about your own love for life and like your own i sound like ridiculous but like your own zest for life and like no, I think what do beautiful. what do you love and what fulfills you and what who are your friends and what 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 relationships are important to you, you mm-hmm. know, out, outside of just who you're who you have goo goo eyes for yeah outside of who your loins throb for (laughs) (laughs) and for them they just want to like and I get that I do get like having a house is a big goal I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's a goal I will never reach it's a big goal (laughs) wanting to have your own home and make it yours and make it special that's beautiful but that was Miguel's dad's dream yeah you know but Miguel's a simple guy You know, he's a simple guy. And And Charity doesn't want anything more than what Miguel wants. Like she has no. Yeah. No, that that is very true. She has she has no substance of her to her own. I am. I'm going to defend Miguel really quickly, kind of, which is um, to say Miguel is Miguel is a simple guy. And this his dad's dream even though it was his dad's dream, it sounds good to him too, I think. But it's it's not to say that the show doesn't give the other people dreams. It's like he's the one with a simple dream. But Luis had a dream to be a lawyer and Teresa right. had a dream, has a dream to be like a fashion designer or whatever. Like they do have these dreams. Yeah. And also Miguel has like seen... I think Miguel is trying to be a little bit more realistic. And also it's not a super realistic dream. He wants to buy that whole island. That's true. That's true. You're right. Yeah. So You're right. I don't know. I'm 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 maybe a little too biased. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So there yes, the but I agree wholeheartedly about charity who 
clearly they haven't it's not her fault it's the writer's fault who haven't written anything for her like yeah yeah her whole reason for being seems to be to be with miguel yeah and i hate that yeah she just wants aunt grace to be proud of her and miguel to like her and that is literally it and i and that i i think that's why i'm annoyed with charity and again it's not it's not the actor it's not it's not her choices it's like the character Mm -hmm. i need more because she she is just there to enrich miguel's life and his storyline and she isn't and to enrich tabitha's storyline she's you know she's like an object and not a person she is an that is exactly right she's an object and not a person and really her main um value as an object is as a hindrance to Miguel for K, right? Like that's what she's there for mm-hmm. to be an obstacle for K. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so K gets all of this like amazing, amazing story. And we get to see so much about her just because she's trying to get over this obstacle that is her cousin. Yeah. 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 Uh, so let's talk about K actually. So she and she and Simone are lurking nearby while, uh, Miguel and Charity talk about their dreams, right? And Kay breaks out that brooch that Tabitha gave her, but she can't see Miguel's face in it, face in it anymore. Simone tells her, bitch, didn't I tell you to bury that or burn it or something? It is evil. Get it away from me. And then they talk about that stupid article again. This comes up so many more times. They talk about That's, that article again, but Simone- I'm just going to remind people in case they're only listening to this episode. Everyone saw an article that said whoever's arms you're in at midnight on New Year's Eve is the person you'll spend the the rest of the year with. And everybody believes it to be true. Yeah. Everybody keeps bringing it up for some reason. Uh, It's so stupid. But anyway, Simone is basically the only person who's like that article is bunk and it's not real. And but the only reason she thinks that is because. Whitney was in Chad's arms at midnight. Had she been in Chad's arms at midnight, it would be true, right? It would be gospel. Simone believes whatever serves her. Yeah. Um, So, oh, and then this is one thing I did want to say. So that Simone says that article can't possibly be true because Whitney was in Chad's arms at midnight and they're like, um, Whitney and Chad are like Ike and Tina. They just can't get along. And this shit pissed me off. You want to know why Ike Turner was incredibly abusive to Tina Turner. Like right. it wasn't yes. that they just didn't get along. Like he beat the shit out of her. Whoever wrote that is disgusting. Well, it's it's equally tone deaf to everything else we've seen when it comes to characters of color being written by white folks in the 1990s, right? Like, and and currently, at least now people are thinking about it. At least people are thinking about diversity. You know, a lot of the shit that we're seeing in this show, it's 20 years old, and I can't believe that we have only come this far in 20 years. I'm glad that we're moving forward and making progress, but it's just, it is so weird to see characters of color saying this really uh, like off color stuff, you know, like things that are just like tone deaf and untrue. And okay, Laura. So I literally had a moment where I had to stop the show and I was like rubbing my face. I was like, Oh my God, the show is so racist. Yeah. It's, so racist like and I didn't mention it before but the the scene where Chad is in the book cafe and he's standing up to to Eve 
My, wh- why is he the only character on this show that speaks like broken English? Like, why yes. is he the only character on this show who uses slang language? And then the music in the background was like rap music. How dare you? Oh, it how, was. How, yes, it, it was like bad rap music. It's like that. The only time you have ever played any rap music is when this boy is on screen. Uh, and I, I, did, I, I like, didn't catch so, it. It's so fucking racist. I, it, <sighs> I don't know. I can keep watching it. And I mean, you know, I like a lot of like old movies and old shows and stuff. So I'm really not desensitized to it, but I understand that that's just how things have been. And yeah. I understand that that's not it's not right. But when you see it, it is uncomfortable. Some, there's been a mm-hmm. lot of things that I've been like, this is uncomfortable. Like, and like we have talked about multiple times with the Lopez Fitzgerald family mm-hmm. of them just being from the, the old country, the way that Eve talks about Chad and how those words are a white person's words put through the mouth of a black woman and they are racist. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just, there's just been a lot, there's been a lot, but you know, I'm dealing with it, but I know I definitely notice it. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm sure I'm missing things and I'm still noticing a lot of it. You know, I'm like, oh, like this is shocking. (laughs) Well, that's racist. (laughs) It's just it's you know, it also just seems like such a tool to oh, for for white people at, you know, to look at it and say, oh, well, this black person's saying it. So there must it must not be wrong to think this way. Right. And it's like, right? that's not a black person's words. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And these and these actors are like, I got a fucking job. Amazing. Yeah. I got a, a well paying job. I'm working every day. Like I'm I'm I've I've got to take it. Like I get I get it. Like you don't always have the luxury of saying of turning something down. Yeah. Just because you disagree with yeah. with the character and like you said it was 20 years ago and I think that I honestly think that the writers of passions thought that they were like being revolutionary I honestly think that they were thought that they were being like very PC and just like we're going there and we're gonna we're gonna talk about these issues they just didn't know they just didn't know how to <laughs> I think I think I agree I think they thought they were being revolutionary and in a way they were because they've basically got like what the cranes are the white are a white family we've got the Lopez Fitzgerald which is which is a Latin a Latinx family and then we've got the Russells which is a black family am I missing another like just the main component the Bennett's okay so another white family and I think that like they did think they're being revolutionary by by having so many you know like like BIPOC folks on the screen Mm -hmm. and in a way it was but yeah but that's not enough you know that's not enough it went (laughs) as far as they could take it like they yeah they they did they did the best that they could and it just wasn't the it just wasn't the best. Right? And it's not aging well. Yeah, it's not, a lot of it has not <laughs> aged well. That's very true. So anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox about this. We're going to move on. Gonna it's move so on. hard to move on. All I want to do is talk <laughs> about the world. Yeah, but we got to move on. We got to talk about the world of passions. Okay. But um, so they talk about that article again, whatever, who cares? Kay finally says that, cause Simone's trying to talk some sense into her. She's like, look, look at how he's looking at uh, charity. He loves her. He has never looked at you like that. And Kay says to her, he loves me. He just doesn't know it yet. All right, girl. And I'm going to win him over. I still have time because they haven't kissed yet. Yep. So she leaves to talk to Tabitha. About the brooch, mm-hmm. and that's when that's when Tabitha shakes her and tells her not to not to give up. So then Kay comes back to the park, and what's happening? Uh, Charity and Miguel are kissing. Yep, 
<laughs> so also I ha- I find it hard to believe they haven't kissed yet they're like talking about building a life together they're talking about how they are so important to each other and they've never even like kissed yeah well you remember Kay had told her she needed to take it really really slow with Miguel mm. and that um, she didn't you don't want to give him the wrong um, the wrong idea because boys think that if you let them kiss you they'll think that you um, want to have sex with them and they will expect that from you. So she had already, right. Kay had like laid those seeds and they had grown into flowers of distance between these two people, basically, ah. I guess. But uh, no, oh well. No more. Miguel plucked the flowers. Ooh. Ooh. You know, Ooh. But not, not salacious. in a sexual sense, just in a kissy sense. He, pl- <laughs> he plucked one of the flowers, not all of them. <laughs> Um, but oh then Luis shows up and, uh, he tells Miguel that they're going to do a DNA test because Pilar's not sure about Martin. So now everybody knows what's going on. Well, mm-hmm. all of Lopez Fitzgerald's know what's going on, which is good. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's basically it with them, mm-hmm. but we do have to talk about Sam who goes over to Grace's shop to surprise her. Yes. So at Grace's shop, she's in there and she's trying on an ugly hat. This hat was so ugly. It was like a periwinkle blue church lady hat. And she's looking at herself in the mirror and she's like, Sam thinks this hat looks great on me. Is he right? And I was like, girl, no, he is wrong. Don't listen to him. He's wrong. Sam just has heart eyes for you and can't see that that hat looks terrible. Yeah. And while she's trying on the hat, Ivy comes into the store and she goes, I think the hat looks great on you, Grace. And remember, Grace has been, Grace has had Ivy on her brain for like all of these episodes now, right? She has constantly been like, just thinking about how beautiful Ivy is and seeing visions of ivy in sam's arms and kissing him under the mistletoe and there was like one other thing i can't remember uh kissing him under the mistletoe being in his arms at midnight and i can't think if there's eh, anything maybe else. that was it maybe that was just but it. Uh, but she's trying to convince herself that it that it's not bothering her but the frequency at which she's having these thoughts tells us that it's bothering her very very much absolutely you can see it on her face and she's just like out loud trying to convince herself she's like he would she would never they would never end up together my 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 husband's too great to cheat on me like she's just you know she's constantly trying to convince herself that she's as good as ivy is which she is don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. and and in some ways much better but Mm -hmm. um so anyway ivy comes in and she came actually to talk about martin's funeral which is tomorrow yeah both, you know, they got to lay him to rest. Which is tomorrow. I thought it was still New Year's Day. What is the time? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. What is the time? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh, God. So but she, yes, she comes in and she wants to basically cover the the funeral expenses but she doesn't want Luis and Pilar to know that it's coming from the cranes because it wouldn't go over well so she asks Grace to um basically play referee and see if she can find a way to get the money to them without them knowing where it came from yeah she basically says can you give it to Father Lon again I know y'all worship at the same church and everything can you just take care of it basically yeah Again, Ivy passing the buck to Grace because Ivy could just call Father Lon again mm-hmm. and explain the situation to him, but yep. she doesn't like to do work, so she's not going to. She's going to have Grace I mean, do work. Also, it's 
an excuse to start to go talk to Grace and learn about Grace and mm. you know what I mean and just be She's in doing Grace's recon. Space. Yeah. Like it's an excuse partially. Paying for a funeral is an expensive recon, I got to say. Girl, she is a billionaire. What <laughs> what's a funeral? <sighs> a couple thousand dollars, a few thousand dollars, what's a funeral to her? Right. So um so Grace goes into the back to make a phone call to Father Lonigan and get the ball rolling. And then Ivy tries that hat. She's like, oh, this is Sam's favorite hat. I wonder if he'd like it on me. And she's got the hat on when Sam comes through the shop and from behind sees the hat on Ivy and doesn't know that it's Ivy and not Grace. So he comes up behind her, puts her in a big embrace, wraps his arms around her. uh, And Grace walks out of the back office, meets eyes with her husband. And Sam goes, Grace, and then jumps back from Ivy. Yeah, and Ivy turns around and she's like, oh, Grace, your husband is quite the romantic. I see why you have such a great relationship, a great um, marriage together. Uh-oh, poor Grace. And Grace's poor face. Poor Grace. I know. Oh, and then Sam feels terrible and sees Grace's uh, reaction. She's obviously upset, but she's trying to pretend that she's not. And he over explains everything and tells what tells her what happens and said, I'm so glad you're not the jealous type. Uh, mm. You know, it's just a silly little incident. Like when I saw you under the mistletoe, says Grace, but it's bothering her. Ooh, yeah. It's bothering her. Yeah. And uh, then Grace explains to Sam why Ivy is there. And then Ivy just leaves. And then when she leaves, Sam assures Grace once again that what happened with Ivy was all an honest mistake. And Grace says, I know, Ivy's not the kind of woman who would break up a family. She's a good, kind person. Oh, Grace. Meanwhile, Ivy is literally standing outside thinking about how she's going to break up Grace's family. (laughs) Gleefully. (laughs) Gleefully with a smile on her face. Jeez. So I think now's a good time to take a little break. Yeah, let's take a break before we move into the next day in harmony. Um, we have an email from a listener. Yes. So and we're going to do it during this little break time. Yeah, we're going to do it in the middle of the, now. We're going to see how this goes. Look, we're going to try new things out until we figure out what works best. Or I don't even know about best, just what works best. What works for us. (laughs) So we're going to take a little break and we're going to talk, read an email from a listener. We have an email from, all right. So we have have two emails. We have one from Emily, one from Breland. And uh, Emily, who also used the email, I mean, used the website. Thank you for going to the website. Emily says, hey, ladies, caught the crazy ex-girlfriend reference in today's episode. Very nice. Thank you. I love the crazy. I love crazy ex-girlfriend. I'm so glad that other people catch it. You know? Yes. Love. Yeah. So she says, I sent an email a few weeks ago, but not sure you got it. I put a video of the cast in a summer 2000 interview on a talk show where they show different kissing styles in the email. I think you would find it amusing. Anyways, my mom fell in love with Tabitha and watched the show when I was a kid. I recently rewatched the first few seasons and love Shoeys. Me too. Us too. Love Shoeys. Love Shoeys. Rooting for them forever. Mm -hmm. They have some great chemistry, she says. I work night shift and have a 14-hour shift on Monday. Girl, oh my gosh. I I used to work nights. Ugh the worst well not the worst but 
A 14 hour shift would be crazy. So yeah, that's good for you go girl. Intense. So she says, I always look out for new episodes of your podcast. Thank you. I hope you guys have a great day. If you enjoy ghost stories, you should listen to Mackenzie Westmore on the Ghost Magnet podcast. She talks about growing up in a haunted house. What? She grew up in a haunted house? I can't decide if that would be really cool or if I would just have a lot of psychological problems and like trauma from being scared all the time. Yeah. Well, I told you we have a ghost here. We've had that conversation. We have a ghost in our toilet, everybody. Yeah. But, uh... She talks about growing up in a haunted house. And if you want to know some more about Galen Gehring, I still don't know how to say his name and I feel very bad about that. I think I'm saying it right. I feel like that's right. Okay. It's either got to be Galen or Gallen, right? Right. She says he got arrested at 12 for selling pot at school that he was trying to sell for food because his mother was an alcoholic. Oh my gosh. That's so sad. Wow. And they arrested him for that? That's yeah. so messed up. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's 12 and he's trying to put food on the table because his mother is suffering. Yeah. So oh she says so he got arrested uh, for selling pot at school that he was trying to sell for food because his mother was an alcoholic and she had a gazillion cats, apparently. Anyways, he had a crazy childhood. That sounds crazy. And almost died when he first started modeling and went to Africa. What is I got to now have to look into all of this. <laughs> He also dated older women before he met his wife, who is his age. They have been together like 27 years. Just some fun facts. Keep shining bright. Aw, thank you so much, Emily. You keep shining bright too, girl. <laughs> There's a lot. There's so much there. There's so, There's much, so there. much to unpack. I don't even know where to start. Well, I'm going to start with the, the, ghost, the haunted house. Yeah, that's that's interesting to me. I, I think i got to check that out. I... I don't love like horror and scary things, but I do like kind of psychological stuff. And I feel like ghost hauntings kind of lean more towards that. Yeah. So I'm going to check that out. Um. So also about the video, we did get that video, Emily. We, we tried our best to watch it. <laughs> I was so uncomfortable. It made me so uncomfortable. I just felt so bad for them. Like, it was so uncomfortable but you know what I'm gonna post it I'm gonna post it in the forum because or maybe I'll uh, maybe we'll post it on you know what we'll post it on like all the social media because other people I'm sure will find it very interesting um definitely interesting because like the main the guy who's the author of that book was just so creepy (laughs) (laughs) he really put me off he's like yes I have tried all of the kisses in the book on who your hand (laughs) (laughs) it was just like a book about kissing Uh, uh uh-uh no it was weird but and I struggled to get through that I couldn't get through the video it was like eight minutes long I was like no I'm not gonna be able to this I'm uncomfortable yeah I made it made me uncomfortable too um not that not that you shouldn't share that because I do think it's 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 valuable and interesting because of how weird it is I struggled but yeah (laughs) other people I'm sure will find it can will be able to make it through it yeah (laughs) weird it was yeah. so weird but yeah so let's uh see what Breelin has to say all right Breelin, thank you for the short sweet email Breelin. she says hi again i'm about all caught up and just wanted to say that laura's charity impression is just chef's kiss wow thanks for making me laugh so much brie thanks brie thank you brie that put a smile on my face. Yeah. Because I'm fucking, I'm an egomaniac. And when you tell me I'm great, that I need that to live on. Your charity impression is 
excellent. Thank you. I mean, she did less vocal fry. There was less gravel in the voice in these episodes, and I appreciated it. I found myself liking Charity more because she just talked like this the whole time. I don't know. One of my pet peeves is like grown women who talk like little girls. Yeah, I don't I know. know. I think it's because my voice is so low. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's actually just jealousy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I wish I sounded like a girl instead of a boy. I feel similarly, except my, my voice isn't like low like yours, but it is abrasive it is an abrasive no it's not voice. no it's not yes it is i mean your laugh is is quite intense <laughs> but i wouldn't call it abrasive <laughs> bitch? i'm just trying to make you cackle <laughs> and i'm trying i'm trying to suppress it i'm trying my best to fucking suppress it you know what i mean you know how many people have commented on my fucking laugh and i oh, can't really? help it yeah i, I love your it. laugh it's joyful i enjoy laughing but man so many people have commented commented on how like loud it is you know my whole family laughs like that my dad's laugh is just like it shakes the windows you know what though it's infectious like I would rather have someone truly giving like a belly laugh than like a polite (sighs) you know like that's laughing is laughter is medicine laughing is good for you yeah so the next thing we want to do is we need to thank Stephen, who has become a monthly contributor to our podcast he is helping us with a monthly gift through our anchor and thank you so much Stephen. I met we've been meaning to thank him and I keep forgetting to like add that in at the end that's why we're doing it at the middle today to make sure we yeah. get it done but Steven, thank you so thank much you. thank you so much it really it makes a big difference and he sent a message about how important it is to be able to do the things that you love because he's a writer so I think we share some of that artistic like passion, you know, amazing. Um, And I think that's just such a, it's just so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing with us and allowing us to continue what we're doing. I mean, we don't do it to make money, obviously, you know, (laughs) there's no money in podcasting, but you know, it does, it does ease the burden, you know? And so we really, really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. And if anybody else wants to contribute anything, you can do so by clicking the link in the description of the podcast. I'm pretty sure there's a link, but also you can just go to our website and there's a link there too for our anchor and our PayPal, where you can either um, give one, a one-time donation or do a monthly or you know periodic donation as well. Set that up. So if you're into it, go for it. Um, thank you all for listening, though. This is amazing. I love all of our listeners. I know every time I open up the anchor app and it like tells us how many people listened, it makes my heart smile. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. It's just fun. It feels like we're having a conversation with friends about this ridiculous show that we love so much. And we're like so invested in these characters and their lives and all of the, the chaos that happens around them in this little town of harmony i don't know it's just it's just fun and we need some levity because man oh man it has been rough so being able to have a little fun really is is important i think yeah so that's it for our break let's get back into passions you ready (sighs) let's do it (laughs) let's do it all right let's do it all right yeah so what's going on so at the top sorry i just like hissed like a snake for 18 (laughs) seconds okay (laughs) So at the top of my notes for this, I wrote, the next day, I think. (laughs) I wasn't sure if it was the next morning or if it was nighttime. It's definitely the the next day. Yeah, okay. 
That's what I that's what I figured out at the end, but it took me far too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they make the make they make the time so weird. It's confusing. It, it really is. So, so the next day, the Russells are uh, are up. The girls are in the kitchen having a conversation, and Whitney and Simone, of course, are talking about Chad. And Eve overhears the conversation, so she basically asks Simone the way that she had asked Whitney the night before, do you have feelings for Chad? And Simone gets upset by this and like takes it out on her sister. Like she has a little argument with Whitney. Yeah. So Eve overhears Simone say that she's just going to have to find ways to accidentally run into Chad. And then um, Eve gives her a little talking to Simone tries to get TC to her side, but as we have as, as we have already stated and um, established, TC is going to back up his wife no matter what at this point. So he's like, I'm not on your side, honey. Listen to your mama. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so she and Whitney storm upstairs. Well, she storms upstairs. Whitney just follows behind. And then <laughs> she turns to Whitney and she's like, well, Chad told me that you're too uptight for him anyway. And he, you're definitely not his type. So, and uh, yeah, so... Simone's just being mean to Whitney because she knows that because she's jealous of her sister. Yeah. At at the end of the day, she's super jealous of her sister. There's deeper things here beyond just Chad. There's a lot that is stemming from Simone's um, feelings about Whitney in this moment, because as we've seen, Simone is treated differently than Whitney. We've seen that. Yeah, Whitney is definitely treated like the golden child. And Simone is, from what we've seen, is just an afterthought all of the time. And so this stuff with Chad is um, the straw that breaks the camel's back. And so Simone is taking this stuff out on Whitney instead of instead of having a conversation with her parents. Because how do you have that conversation with your parents? And how do you know how to do that when you're like 14? Yeah. So the girls go upstairs. Luis comes over to the house to ask Eve if she can help move the preliminary tests for the DNA test along and make them go faster. I didn't understand. I don't think anybody understood the actual science behind DNA tests. The people who wrote this. I don't think they understood the science behind it. Yeah, I think it was maybe new enough to the public understanding or to the public's understanding that the writers were like, this is a thing. Let's just... Let's just do what we can with it. But they didn't really understand the science. So, yeah, basically, Luis is like, can you speed up the test? Yeah. (laughs) Can you push this through? And Eve's like, "Uh, let me go to the hospital and see what I can do. Yeah. So she she calls and has the lab make the DNA, the DNA test, a top priority. Meanwhile, Chad goes to the hospital to talk to Orville and uh, he wakes Orville up and asks if it's okay for him to look around at his apartment. He's like, look. I'm going to level with you. Dr. Russell had your your apartment all shut up and I can't get in to find anything. Can you help me out? Is it okay if I go in there? And Orville basically just tells him, oh, if I remember correctly, there's a spare key behind the pipe in front of my apartment. It's like, okay, cool. So Chad goes off, finds the spare key immediately and gets into Orville's apartment. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Eve comes in to Orville's apartment after Chad leaves and she asks Orville about the red envelope, right? Yeah, into his hospital room. Not to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Eve I know what you meant. Hospital. I just want to make sure we're clear. Yeah, so uh, she asks Orville about the red envelope, and Orville starts singing, 
The red envelope is dangerous, dangerous for Eve. <laughs> okay, okay, Orville. Orville is the most unpredictable of characters. <laughs> he just ran. They threw you away. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Away, away. They don't know what they want to do with Orville. <laughs> Just like I don't tune, think like tunelessly singing. I I don't know how to describe it. What it is that he does, but it's it's it makes me laugh. I yeah. don't think it's supposed to, but it does. So Orville gives her absolutely no information, and she leaves the room and says to herself, "Well, at least his apartment is sealed, and nobody can get in there, and I'll get be able to get in there soon and look around for myself." Right. Then the camera cuts to Orville, who is in his room alone and has the an epiphany. He sits up, remembering that the red envelope full of Eve's secrets has been hidden in his bird statue. This made no sense. I don't understand this at all, but I'm just going with it. It's, it's like Russian. The- I feel like it's Russian nesting dolls where there's like one thing inside of another inside of another. But it's a bird. It, but it's a bird. It, it was a, with a red envelope full of secrets. Yeah, it, it was. Um, uh, it's a rainbow macaw. Like it's a, it's a bird statue. <laughs> well, anyway, so he re- he remembers this. Meanwhile, we cut to Chad, who is picking up the bird statue. Who who for some reason is like maybe something's inside of here. What would make you think that? He like shakes it. Maybe something's in here. And he shakes it and doesn't hear that the envelope is rattling around, I guess. I don't I don't know. Why would you look at that thing and be like, oh, maybe something's in here? What would you and he's in a how in a room full of piles of documents and shit. And then he carries it around with him while he's investigating the rest of the space. <laughs> it doesn't make any it sense. Doesn't make any, it's so it's so frustrating these last two episodes were so messy and so ridiculous like if it sounds stupid and like we are not recapping it correctly we are (laughs) i invite i invite you to watch 139 and 140 we're doing the best we can (laughs) so at chad's outside of chad's apartment is not chad outside of whose apartment sorry sorry outside of orville's apartment thank you outside of orville's apartment um there is an old an older lady who is one of his neighbors speaking with the police officer. She says, I saw movement in there. There's someone in the apartment. My neighbor is in the hospital. Like something is wrong. And the police officer was like, Oh wow. What a considerate neighborly thing to do to call us in to make sure everything's okay. She's like, he owes me money. (laughs) That's why I called you. I want to make sure his shit doesn't get stolen because he owes me a great deal of money. Yep. So they bust in. Yeah, but Chad heard them coming and he snuck out the window before they could get in there. And then Eve shows up and she's like, what are y'all doing here? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's all just ridiculous. And she's looking around for the bird statue, but the fucking neighbor stole it and yeah. says that she's going to hawk it, pawn it. She's like, this is a piece of junk, but maybe somebody will buy it. Why would you take it if you think it's a piece of junk? Because she wants to recoup some of the, the that money that Orville owes her. Girl, this so was stupid. so ridiculous. So now, so now the- some random woman has a bird, has a macaw statue filled with Eve's secrets that she's going to take to a flea market and sell to to God knows who. And uh, yeah, so Eve's secrets are out and about. 
they, they are dangerously. Oh, and I just remember what Eve does and it. Oh, okay. Anyway, so that's, that's what's going on. Chad wants to get back into the apartment, but the cop, he overheard the cop say that he's going to be just watching out for the apartment. So Chad's just trying to figure out how can I get back into the apartment? Eve is still in the apartment, just looking around. And that's where we kind of leave them until the funeral. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the funeral. So it's the next morning. Everyone is preparing for the funeral and tensions are high basically at every household. So we do need to visit everybody before we go to the church. So let's do a quick rundown. Let's want to start with the cranes. Sure. Let's start with the cranes. So a Sheridan crane is having a sex dream about Luis. <laughs> that's what's going on with Sheridan. She's having a sex dream about Louise. And then Ethan comes in and wakes her up and he says, you lied to me. You have feelings for Luis Lopez Fitzgerald because you were saying his name in your sleep. That's what happens before they go to the funeral. That's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sheridan says, subconsciously, he became my man I've been looking for. So even though I was dreaming about Luis, I doubt it really had anything to do with him. So she still is not admitting that she has feelings for Luis. Whatever, girl. Next door. I have, I have feelings for Luis. Who who doesn't? Who wouldn't have feelings for this man? <laughs> this toothpick has feelings for Luis. I mean, my goodness. So then let's talk about the, what's the happening in downstairs. the big, in the main house. Yeah, or yeah. yeah, not downstairs in the main house. So um, in the in the main house, Julian, uh, Ivy, and Ethan are preparing for the funeral like Ethan's definitely gonna go Julian says I guess I'm gonna go I'm thinking about it and Ivy questions why she doesn't understand because because they don't they're not close with the Fitzgeralds well she but that doesn't make sense because she considers Pilar one of her best friends whatever I'm not gonna no, go no, no. It. she she ha- she was definitely going to the funeral Ethan Julian wasn't it going. was Julian who uh. who she was like <clears throat> Who wasn't sure if he wanted to go, I guess. But yeah, no, she definitely was going to go. And Ethan was definitely going to go. Gwen shows up and Julian and Ivy are in the living room. And Gwen comes in on the day of this funeral. And she says to them, well, if everything goes as I expect today, then Ethan and I will be announcing our engagement very shortly. What? You're going to get engaged at a funeral? That doesn't bode well. She works a nerve. So that's what's going on with these cranes. Everybody's going to the funeral. Then over at the Lopez Fitzgerald home, Miguel and Teresa are talking about Ethan and they have like a little argument. Yeah. Miguel counsels Teresa to be honest and tell Ethan the truth. And when she doesn't hear what he's saying, you know, she keeps pushing back. He is pretty harsh and he yells at her. He says, wake up. You can't make somebody love you. Yeah. So he, he, is upset and he's yelling at his sister. He's getting a little fed up with Teresa at this point too, I think. And, uh, and also it's a rough day. This may or may not be our father's funeral day. So, you know, anyway, then Pilar there. Oh, they're also talking about Martin. And if it is, is it, is it him? Is it not him? Blah, blah, blah. And Pilar just flat out says, my husband is alive. I feel it in my heart of hearts. Like she believes he's alive. So that's where we are with Pilar. And Hank is there. <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> I didn't even notice. He was just there. I didn't he even notice. He was just there. He was, oh, he was wow. in their kitchen. Of course he I, is. Because where what? else would he be? What is Not he with doing? his own family. 
<laughs> what is he doing? Well, I guess he and Sam have some issues. So, uh, so okay. Yeah. So then let's go over to the Bennett home where Kay has gone to visit Tabitha again and talks to Tabitha about like she's trying not to give up on her this guy she loves but she's running out of ideas and she asked Tabitha what she did to um stop keep keep her bow and hit the girl who was trying to steal him from her if that makes sense away keep them away from each other right because Tabitha had told her this story about um I once had a boyfriend I was once in this same situation kind of thing right and so Tabitha like breaks out these herbs that are that's probably just like poison ivy, dried poison ivy or something like it it was like oregano but she she breaks out these herbs and she says well I sprinkled this in her in her dress and she had a horrible rash for a week and he wouldn't go near her for a week which gave me enough time to make sure they stayed separated basically so Kay thinks she's stealing the herbs from 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 Tabitha. Yeah, Kay doesn't realize that she's being manipulated into this. Like Tabitha leaves the jar of herbs on the table and kind of walks away so that Kay thinks that no one's watching her. So if so she can go ahead and grab the jar and no one will see. She's been this whole thing has been played out in Tabitha's head already. She knows what she's doing. And Kay takes the bait. She picks up the herbs. She goes next door. She puts the the poison oak or poison ivy or whatever it is in Charity's dress. And um and and does does her work yeah charity um, comes back and puts on the dress and immediately starts to itch <laughs> immediately immediately it's, it's, it's crazy uh and so everybody else then heads off to the funeral but notably charity stays home and jessica stays home whom we have not seen justice for jessica where is jessica <laughs> Where is Jessica? First, she was out babysitting on New Year's Eve, and now she's home with the flu. Like, what's going on with Jessica? What did y'all do with her? What have and you done, Reese? What have you done with her? With with Jessica uh, K? What have you done with her body? Where is she? <laughs> we, yeah, Kay, t- Kay took care of her sister. Oh, she would. We, we need to. We need to open an investigation into Jessica's disappearance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Um, I do want to say that before Charity gets dressed, she has a conversation with Grace and she tells her about how she kissed Miguel. Did you take any yeah, notes about that? I didn't that? take any notes about it. I remember it happening. I remember thinking, why are you telling her this? I, I remember thinking, why does Grace need to know that you and Miguel kissed? I just, Charity's so annoying. She's such a fucking goody goody. Why are you like telling on yourself? I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't read it that way to me. It felt like, you know, she's excited and she wants to share. And she also wants some advice from an adult because the only advice she's ever gotten is from Kay and it sucks. (laughs) And so she tells Grace and Grace gives her a big hug and says that she's so happy for her and knows how important that must, that, that is. And says, um, I know you're a good girl. I trust you. And I trust Miguel. I just want to advise that you take it slowly until you're ready for marriage because sex is a big step so like let's kind of leave it at the kissing for now yeah Eh, whatever. so i don't know if that's important i don't think it is but i I mean i guess it's kind of important i don't know we can cut it out i don't know no no no. we're not gonna cut it out i'm saying (laughs) i don't know how important it is for the the story i don't know what they if they're going somewhere with that or not beyond what we already know 
Well, I think they might be because of her whole magic powers stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, so I don't, so I don't know, but yeah. I think that's basically it before everyone heads off to the funeral. Yep. So let's go over to the sad occasion. Um, everyone is arriving to the church. The Bennets get there first and, uh, say their give their condolences and everything to the Lopez Fitzgerald family. Of course, no again, notably Jessica and Charity are not with them. And Miguel is like, wait, is Charity sick too? Did she get the flu from Jessica? And Kay's like, no, she has a bad rash. And Miguel's like, well, I have to go be with her. This boy is going to leave his father's funeral to go be with this girl with a rash. And then Kay says that to him. She's like, you can't leave your father's funeral to go see about charity. And he says, there's nothing I can do for my father. Like, the fuck? A funeral is not about the dead person. It's about your family and the people like your family needs you to be there with them. Yeah. It's, it's about you and your grief and your peace and, and being there with your family. Yeah. I couldn't believe that he just, that he made this decision and that people allowed him to leave. It it was ridiculous. So he goes off to, to see about charity and then the cranes arrive and Luis tells Sheridan about the DNA test, which, okay, hear me out. When he first said it to her, I was like, why is he telling her about this? Because in my experience with basically any kind of show like this, the DNA test, once somebody finds out about it, gets tampered with, right? Like they do some shit with it. So Mm -hmm. my immediate thought was like, no, do not tell any cranes about the DNA test because they will wield their power. Not Sheridan, but, you know, we know Sheridan just has loose lips and loose lips sink ships, right? But, but. But the reason that Luis was telling Sheridan uh, about the DNA test was for for us in the audience was so that Sheridan could realize, oh, my God, if the if this man we're bearing is not Martin Fitzgerald, then that means I could be a murderess. Yeah, she's back to calling herself a murderess again. (laughs) We're back to that. So she immediately starts having her flashbacks again. So, yeah. Her, her PTSD is in full force, unfortunately. Yeah. So Ethan, Ethan and Gwen also arrive and Gwen immediately asks Teresa about her boyfriend. She's immediately like, Teresa, where's, is your boyfriend here? And Teresa doesn't really know what to say. She's very flustered, understandably. Like who walks up to somebody at their father's funeral and immediately starts to fuck with them about like... Yes, you and I are going toe to toe on something. Yes, I am lying about this thing. However, we need to, that should be put to the side for now. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I would expect that, that that you would have a little bit more respect, even if we don't like each other. Like, I, I don't care how much I dislike someone. If I'm at a funeral, I'm not going to disrespect them at their father's funeral. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so Teresa, of course, is completely flustered and she's like, yeah, he's coming. No, he's not. I don't, I don't know. And then Ethan puts a stop to it and he's like, she clearly doesn't know what she's saying. She's upset. Can't you see that? Let's just go find our seats. And Gwen's like, well, we'll see him later. Right. And it, she's just awful. Yeah. She's just awful. Yeah. You can think, There's can't no- see past her own wants and needs. There's no excuse. That's all I have to say. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. So then we do the whole funeral, right? We're starting the funeral. Luis gives up to 
um, speak about Martin. He thanks everybody for coming. And uh, during this while he's talking, everybody's just having their own little side moments. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's giving a eulogy. Why are you not listening? <laughs> yeah, everybody's having their own little side moments. Like uh, Gwen turns to Ethan and points out that Teresa's boyfriend didn't show up. Teresa turns around and tells Whitney, says to Whitney, fate didn't save me this time. Uh, Miguel and Charity show up in the middle of this together because Miguel went to the house, put some baking soda on Charity's rash, and it cleared right up. No <laughs> rash in sight. <laughs> Good job, Tabitha. Yeah. And so then Eve interrupts. She comes in and she gives Luis the results of the DNA test, and it stops the entire funeral. He goes back up. Luis goes back up to the pulpit and announces this man is not Martin Fitzgerald. I got chills. <laughs> I was like, this is the this was a great reveal. This was a great way to do it. I'm so glad they did it. Yeah, yeah. This was great because everyone's there. We get the we get the immediate effect of the entire congregation gasping. <gasps> like yes. ever, like a room full of like a hundred people gasping all at the same time. And we get and everybody's re you know, individual reactions they yes. show everybody. And it's amazing to see. I loved this. Yeah. Because he gets up to the pulpit and he's like, we actually had a DNA test done on this man because my mama felt in her heart of hearts that he was not her husband. And you can see, uh, Julian is visibly concerned. Yes. He like starts to literally squirm in his seat. <laughs> and then when Louise says this man is not Martin Fitzgerald, he just like he's just like, oh shit. <laughs> really fuck I, this I, one up. I love it. Um I I Louise again starts asking great questions. You know, he's like how could anybody else know about this scar? And Sam says, who is the man in the coffin? And it's like, mm. well, we think of one man who might have some answers. And mm. it's that squirmy little wormy dude over there named yes. Julian Crane. Yes. So everyone is excited and happy to hear this news, except for the Cranes. Basically all of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Julian's obviously not happy because he has a lot to do with this. Ivy's not happy because this could really ruin her her life because, because of Julian's fuck up. Sheridan's not happy because she may be a murderess. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan's not happy because Sheridan's not happy, you know. So and Gwen's not happy because she's not getting her proposal. Well, Gwen ain't no crane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, always lump, she? I always lump her in with them, but you're right. She, she's not. She's, she's a hotchkiss. She's no crane. Mm. She, oh, she desperately wants to be a crane. I guess. I don't know. She refuses to, to say yes to the dress, but okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, yes so to the murderess. They're all excited. And and at this is this Gwen chooses this moment to want to confront Teresa, but Ethan's yes. like Ethan's like now's not the time or the place, and so he goes to talk to Sheridan. Right? Yeah. Um, Gwen asks Ethan to go with her this instant to confront Teresa, and instead, yeah, he goes off to Sheridan because I think he knows that this is a big problem. Um, because Sheridan, of course, is worried that she is that she did kill someone that fateful night so many years ago, and Ethan tries to calm her down. Of course you never killed anyone. No one even 
even has any memories of the things that you're talking about. Like it didn't happen. It was just a really vivid nightmare. You're fine. You know, get on with your life, move on, let this go. Um, And then as she's starting to like unravel a bit, he sees Gwen uh, and says, look, I got to deal with this bitch before it spirals out of control. (laughs) Yes. Gwen. Oh my God. Gwen. So Gwen gets anxious, right? Ethan says, we'll do it later. We'll, we'll talk to Teresa later, but, but Gwen can't wait. She gets too anxious. So she gets up from her seat and goes to talk to Teresa, who is talking to Whitney, who just real found out that her father is alive. You know, she's, there's a lot of emotions involved here, right? Mm -hmm. But Gwen doesn't give a fuck about any of that. She goes to this teen girl and says, we've got a lot to talk about. Like Gwen's demeanor has changed completely at this point. Before she was at least kind of playing nice, but she, now she has completely gone over to mean girl territory. 100%. I will say, I don't want to give the wrong impression that Teresa is only concerned about her father because she is not. She is concerned about this, but what she's talking with Whitney about is um, that she believes that Martin Fitzgerald being a a decoy Martin is a sign from fate that she and Ethan are destined to be together. All right. So like, let us not forget. Let us not forget that although Gwen is completely out of line, Teresa is, is not, uh, is, does not have her heading in the game either. They are both on the same page when it comes to Ethan. So I just, I I just want to make sure we put that out there. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Gwen walks up to her and tries to confront her. Teresa tries to walk away and uh, Teresa's walking away and Gwen chases her down the aisle, like basically yelling at her in this church. Like (laughs) it's crazy. She's like, where is he? Where's your boyfriend, Teresa? I thought he would be here. Just chasing her down the aisle. Just badgering her in front of everybody. Yeah, Teresa gets out into like the lobby area and Gwen grabs her by the arm, spins her around, and says, we're going to talk about this now. I mean, this is crazy. Because Teresa says, she's, Teresa's like, well, my boyfriend, he, he was coming, but he got delayed in traffic. And um, then Gwen flat out accuses Teresa of being in love with Ethan and lying about having a boyfriend. And she says, why don't you just say it? Admit you're a liar. I mean, now she's bullying this teenage girl in a church. She says to Teresa, you are a minor leaguer. I play in the majors and this is no competition at all. Yeah. But here's the thing. If that was true, Gwen wouldn't be having that conversation to begin with. That's exact. I wrote all of that. I wrote all of and she was so the way she said it was so mean and elitist. Right. She she was like um, because. Teresa's tr- actually trying to speak to her. She's at, cause Gwen's asking her, where's your boyfriend? Where's your boyfriend? Where's your boyfriend? So when every, but every time Teresa tries to speak, Gwen cuts her off and insults her every yeah. single fucking time. And, um, she, yeah, she says, you lost sweetheart. You wanted to play with the big girls and try to steal my boyfriend. Well, you aren't ready for the big leagues. You're no competition for me at all. Girl, why are you so pressed? 
why are you so fucking pressed? If that's the case, why are you got so goddamn pressed? Yeah. If that was the case, there would be no conversation because I would be like a little gnat that you swat away and you don't think about ever again. Right. Yeah. The fact that this is something that you can't get your mind off of tells me that exactly the opposite is true. Mm hmm. Well, Ethan interrupts this and just so, says to Gwen, what's going on here? And that's where we stop. That's where we end it with them. Yes. Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out, actually. Well, I think I, I am, too, because I think Ethan needs to see Gwen's nastiness. I don't know how he hasn't yet, but I think he is about to. Or maybe they'll talk their way out of it. Who knows? But I think we are about to get into Gwen v. Teresa for a significant amount of time. And I'm telling you, the way she insulted Teresa just now, like I said before, the way she insulted Teresa she has made a fatal mistake. She made a big mistake because Teresa is a basically good person, but she's a lunatic. She's a lunatic. And she's, she, yeah, no, she. Teresa's boundaries are out of whack. And it's funny, it, it's funny that, ironic actually, that, Gwen would say to her, say to Teresa that she's not in the same league. They're not in the same league. Bitch, you are absolutely right. Y'all are not in the same league at all. You have no clue. Also, look at Teresa. That girl is drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. And Gwen, I will say, I did want to say this. Gwen looks so much better with her hair pulled back. She looks really pretty with her hair pulled back. Yeah, uh, I think I, they. I think her, I think the way that they were styling her at the beginning wasn't doing her any favors because I do think Gwen is is a, an attractive girl. I think she's very pretty, but Teresa is next level. I'll say Teresa and Whitney are next level gorgeous. Like you don't see people. I I'd never imagined that a person could look like this, right? Yeah. Never in my life did I think, wow, genetics would align in such a way to create people this attractive. Unreasonable beauty. And they don't look like they've had work done or anything. Just unreasonable beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they, that's where they leave it. These two or three, I guess (laughs) (laughs) these three. So we should talk about Luis, Sam, Julian. What's going on with them at the at the end of this funeral? Yes, let's uh, let's talk about it. So Ivy turns to Julian and says, "Your father is going to be very upset when he hears about this." Alistair is Big Daddy Crane is coming to town. I have a feeling because <laughs> yeah. he's got to he's got to deal with this fallout. And Julian suggests that they make a graceful and quick exit, but Luis and Sam corner them before they can make their getaway, and they demand to know the exact nature of Julian's connection to Martin. Or, or the man who died. The, yeah. the fake Martin. Yeah. yeah. Well, Julian tries to weasel out of it, saying, well, I wasn't the only one who identified him. Pilar did, and you did too, Luis. We all just rushed to judgment. It, I mean, it it doesn't it doesn't work for me it doesn't work for me well because julian led the charge on it all right yeah it would be different if he he kind of got caught up in everything along with the rest of the group but he was very insistent from jump um that it was martin and kind of forced that uh narrative on everybody else yeah louise presses him for answers but julian it says i'm tired of your questioning and i don't have to take this kind of thing basically and this was just a case of mistaken identity it's ridiculous honestly 
and uh, he it's ridiculous. But Luis ain't buying it. He's not buying it. And he's like, I'm going to nail we he says, we're going to nail you. Right. And then and then Julian says, well, you keep saying we but I don't think your police chief wants to be involved in this right now. And then Louise turns to Sam and Sam says to Julian, you're free to go. And Louise is pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Louise is pissed. And then Sam says to Louise after Julian leaves, he says, we need, he's, first of all, he says that um, Julian's story was rock solid and that they need rock solid evidence to take him down, but they will do it. But Julian's story is far from rock solid. Far, so far from rock solid. There's so many suspicious things that he has said and done. So much that he has done. I mean, just the fact that he stole Martin's body and tried to have him cremate it. Right there and then that just to me shows that he's covering something up. He's covering up his guilt. And sincerely, they could lock him up for that period. They could lock him up for that period in and of itself. Yeah, they could arrest him for that and interrogate him and lock him up just on that alone and then try and get more information out of him. And I don't know why they don't pursue that. But but Sam, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Sam and why, well, it'd be less interesting if the show ended there. So I guess they gotta let, yeah. let Julian go free. I guess, well, while that's going on, Ivy like randomly talks to Kay and Kay mentions that stupid fucking article again. And then Sam comes over because he sees Ivy talking to his daughter. <laughs> and so like, he's like, you're having a, conver- a great conversation with my daughter. Like he's not happy about that. Yeah. So he like pulls her to the side and tells her to like leave his family alone that, you know, whatever. That's just at the end here. But um, um, Grace confides in Eve. Um, what's going on? She says, look, can I, first she has to set up an appointment. It's like, this is your friend. Why are you setting up an appointment? Just go to lunch or something, but whatever. Grace, um, says that I need to talk privately with you, um, about my concerns with Ivy and Sam, but TC overhears them speaking and says, oh, don't worry about it. You know, that can't, that magazine article is just, you know, is nothing. If that was right, Eve would be a Julian and that's laughable. So we're so these last two episodes in this story arc here or in this five episode arc are bringing up all of the stuff from the past that's coming up to the surface. Yeah, they're setting now. us up for the the next big stories for sure. All right. So that's it for our episode today. Yes. That's it. All right. So remember that you can always catch us on social media, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Passions Podcast. And now we also have a Twitter, which is not at Passions Podcast. It is at Podcast Passions because somebody already had the Passions Podcast handle. And that person hasn't even used it in like five years, but whatever. But it's at Podcast Passions. So you can catch us on Twitter now, too. You can also send us an email at passionspodcast at gmail.com or submit uh, information through our website. Yep. Check out the website. And that's passions it for Pod, us. Which is passionspodcast.com. Yep. Passionspodcast.com. Somehow this is getting worse. Yeah, it, it's time to end it. Let's, let's, let's end it. Let's deliver the final death blow to this episode. <laughs> All right. You start. You, you are my passion.